Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to Spotcast, Season 5, Episode 12. My name is Timothy. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined by Jonathan Kuline over there, over there, in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello, and how is everybody on this fine holidays eve? Shouldn't you be saying, like, you know, hey, kids, or whatever it is you normally say? Do I say that? Okay. Yeah. Hey, kids! <laughs> that's your that's your, your catchphrase. That's my catchphrase? Have I got one now? I feel you like have, I mean, well, it's got a, yeah, I thought a better one. Well, that's what you came up with, so you're stuck with it now. All right. All right. All right so we weren't around last week, but... Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Jonathan mentioned that Joseph Mall. I'm going to go with Molle, Mall, 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 Joseph Mall from uh, Rings of Power. Uh, you were wondering why he's not on the show. Well, apparently he quit the show. So it wasn't like uh, any kind of strange thing happening. He just, uh, that's why they announced a new actor because he decided, he posted on Twitter here that um, he's reasons for leaving. So there you go. And and what did you glean from that? Did he Did he have a good reason for leaving? No, I think he just, he just, you know, he, he had his fun and I guess he, he just didn't want to continue on with the, with the show or continue on with the character, I guess. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I, I still find it a little baffling. I mean, you'd think that they would have signed them for more than one season. So yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly how that works, how one gets out of a contract like that. All right. Well, we'll move on to headlines. And of course, Jonathan, you're up first with the headline. Uh- I am. Yeah. So uh, while we were off, we got some more news from the ongoing changes at DC. So we knew that, uh, you know, James Gunn had taken over and was coming in and making some some big changes. They talked about some cancellations and different stuff. This one was really weird. So uh, we got news this week that uh, Henry Cavill is officially done in the role of Superman at DC, which is really confounding when you also add in the fact that he, you know, had just appeared in the stinger on the Black Adam movie. Sorry if you mm-hmm. could spoil there, but c'est la vie. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he it wasn't like it had been years since he played that role. He played that role in a movie that came out like three months ago, two months ago. And then he also had resigned his job at uh, on Netflix as The Witcher because apparently he was going back to start making more movies so it's really strange now they softened it there's a story here from uh, variety that uh, that we're referencing and you know he's talked about coming back in a different role or doing some other kind of work with dc but you know superman is right there one of the sexiest jobs you can have at dc so like what's he gonna do that's gonna be equal good or otherwise uh, now on the heels of that There's a story today from The Hollywood Reporter that Cavill has signed on to be the uh, star of the new Warhammer 40,000 series. So uh, Amazon just acquired the rights to Warhammer 40,000, which is a very popular uh, uh, tabletop game. And 
he's going to be the the lead in that. So we've gone from him being the star of The Witcher with not clarity around his Superman role to coming back to play Superman and quitting his Witcher role to not coming back as Superman and now playing a role on Amazon's 40, uh, Warhammer 40K series. It's a weird year for, for Henry Cavill. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure I can make any sense of this. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he doesn't want to get, maybe doesn't want to get typecast and he wants to go and do stage and screen or whatever. But, I, but yeah, isn't that Warhammer thing like, is that a DC thing or not? Because I've heard somewhere that he was also doing another DC character maybe. Yeah, Warhammer is is uh, is its own thing. So that's, you know, the Games Workshop, you know, thing. Apparently it was a pretty hot property. You know, Warhammer is very, very popular uh, tabletop franchise. And so, you know, maybe there's an audience for that. But to me, it seems like he'd already done two seasons of The Witcher and then quits that to become Superman again and then gets fired from that. He might have another role with DC, but he's going to go do this other thing. It just seems really messy. Wait, he got fired as Superman or... Well, they've agreed that he's not going to come back, which is, to me, sounds like, you know, media spin for we don't want him back. Right. Okay. Hmm. It sounds like James Gunn is basically clearing house. You know, like, it doesn't sound like anybody's going to continue in the roles that they've been in up until now, which is fine. And it's his prerogative. And maybe they need a clean slate. But the really confusing part of this and the part that they, they don't really mention here is... What about all the movies that are done? Like Shazam 2 is done and going to be coming out. Aquaman 2 is done and going to be coming out. Uh, you know, these, there are these movies that are just sort of sitting there ready to go. Why on earth would you go see them if you know that they're basically pulling the plug on that version of the DCU? Why care at all? Yeah, don't know. I don't know. Not that, not that apparently a lot of people cared to begin with because, you know, we clearly... <laughs> well, how many clearly run into a brick wall? We we've had what um, since Christopher Reeve? We've had what? This is the third Superman that we've had. Uh, third third theatrical. Yes, there's been multiple ones on TV as in that time yeah. as well, right? Right. Oh yeah. And then yeah. there's also Lois and um, Clark and and um, and Smallville. the guy on the guy the Smallville guy. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't confuse yeah. things at all, right? So yeah. Plus the new series that's on. Oh, small. Right now, yeah, so. the new series as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just continuing to be more and more confusing. And this is the same problem that comic books have faced for years, right? Is comic books never end. Like, new artists come in, new writers come in, new editors take over, but the characters remain. You know, you've been publishing Superman for 80 years. You've been publishing, you know, Batman for 80 years. Continuity becomes a real problem. How do you, you know, how do you Well, I was going to say, do they, do they maintain that? The, what you know what's uh what do you call it canon do they maintain that kind of or do does each artist and story writer get to write their own story right they do and they don't i mean you know that's why you have things like crisis on infinite earths or secret wars or you know there's been any number of these sort of crises things that have happened in in dc and marvel continuity over the years to try and clean things up so they'll be like oh that whole time that was on an alternate earth and you know they'll they'll right. find ways to sort of write it out so that you know these things can simultaneously exist or 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 not um that seems to be what marvel is currently driving for towards the, the secret wars thing you know they've got a sort of tiny wimey multi-dimensional you know thing going on that way they can clean house a little bit and be like oh in this newly amalgamated universe, there was a different Iron Man and a different Spider-Man. Do they mess with the origin stories too? or Sometimes, yeah. I mean, 
a lot of the roots remain the same, but you know, in some circumstances, it's about you know changing guard, right? You know, they they have Miles Morales take over for Peter Parker, or you know, again, exist in the same universe but do his own thing, you know. So they really can do a lot of things. In this case, though, it seems like what they're talking about for DC is just wholesale change of the characters. They want to take them back to a younger phase in their lives. They don't want. 40-year-old Henry Cavill and, you know, 35-year-old Gal Gadot and, you know, 45-year-old Ben Affleck or 50, nearly 50-year-old 50 Ben Affleck playing these roles. They want a bunch of people in their 20s that they can, you know, build forward. So they're just going to wipe, wipe the slate clean and go from there. Yeah. Well, oh. Yeah. Such Again, as it stay is. Stay tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah. Speaking of uh, going back to the going back to the trough and dragging out the old actors and stuff. <laughs> Yeah. So Avatar, uh, Avatar made its long, long, long awaited debut, Avatar 2, The Way of Water or Avatar The Way of Water. A decent opening weekend. So it made 134 domestics, that's North America, and 435 internationally, 435 million uh, is the third biggest global opening of the year behind, uh, or sorry, during the pandemic, I should say, behind Spider-Man No Way Home and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. The question is, is this sustainable or is this going to dip? We talked about how they were talking that they needed to make around $2 billion for this to sort of be a, a profitable venture for them and sort of guarantee the stability of the Avatar franchise so that's not bad i mean you know that's nearly a quarter of a way there in one weekend worldwide that's not bad the question is you know now that we're headed into the holiday season are people going to go see it in the theater over the holidays is there going to be you know a lot of people making that you know is it going to sustain basically these kinds of numbers because the only way it can go is if it just keeps sustaining and keeps bringing more people in yeah i think well i think with the holiday season like obviously you know that's movie going is is a big thing during the break right like between yeah. christmas and new year's you know there are people who don't celebrate christmas per se um mm -hmm. you know the people finishing up their hanukkah stuff and you know they have to go do something and and that's because we've always wondered you and i have always wondered why there's so many premieres around christmas in fact i don't do we know of any major things that are coming out next week i guess a few right but I think it's mostly award fair. Like it's, it's the stuff they want to get into theaters for qualifications for the Oscars for spring. Oh, right. Yeah. For, yeah. For February. And yeah, there's a lot of that stuff, but not a lot of like, I took a quick look to sort of see, well, what's going to compete against Avatar? And there's certainly nothing of Avatar's weight. There's no Marvel movies. There's no like thing that sort of threatens them. So chances are a lot of bums are going to be in seats to see Avatar two over the holidays so maybe that's the strategy is, is instead of just saying well we want to go big and nail you know a billion dollars over the first couple of weekends they're thinking you know what it's a very populist movie it's a good theater movie we're just going to keep cranking out the dough for six eight ten weeks until we hit two billion bucks yeah, well, like Doctor Strange is in a gazillion theaters at the same time, right? Like I was looking, you know, we were and I, I mean, I was going to go see it on Thursday last week, and then I was in, in Chicago, but when I realized it was three hours, I'm like, I don't know if I have three hours to invest in this. And plus, you know, do I, do I, you know, order DoorDash in the middle of the movie? Like, how do I, how do I maintain <laughs> that three hours? And what about, you know, do I need to take a nice, you know, um, memory foam air cushion with me to sit on for the whole time? And, <laughs> you know. Um, is it time? Is, is it time we went to one of those? Uh, what do they call them? The uh, VIP. 
Should we go to the VIP? Yeah, the VIP. Well, they don't deliver food during the movie, though, right? They only do. The, they, they don't they do only IMAX do... either. Well, I know, but they only like the VIP sounds good. Oh, we'll bring your food right to you. Yeah, but like you know, the few times I've been there, I've always I always show up late, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, it's too late for you to order food now because you know we can't we can't have the waitress walking in front. You can go to the bathroom in front of people, but you can't bring the waitress in to f- to feed the people, right? Plus, I guess they can't mm-hmm. see what's going on, but. Um, yeah, it's and like I think I told you that uh, somebody said somebody suggested getting two buy tickets for two showings, show up mm. halfway through the first one, so you get the second half of the movie, and then go have a break and go to the bathroom, and then go watch the beginning of the movie to see how it how it started, <laughs> see what you missed, right? Um, and you, I think you posted that the New York Times had a had a schedule where they give you uh, hints as to when you can go have a, a pee break kind of thing, right? Yeah, they basically said like here's the here's the times that might work the best as far as your uh, potential pee breaks. That way you won't have to you won't have to try and sustain for that entire amount of time, which is ridiculous. So so now the weird thing about it is like I like I guess this is an old '60s thing. I guess '60s and '70s thing that you know Gandhi was like a three-hour movie, right? Cleopatra was pretty close to three hours, right? At 2001 is I think it's two hours, but it all of these have intermissions. Like it used to be a thing that, you know, in the middle of the movie, the curtain would come down and they would play some intermission music and you would go get, refill your popcorn. I don't know why they don't do that anymore, you know, like create a cliffhanger moment and then say, come back in 15 minutes or something. And like in the middle of like, like even, even the, what do you call um, the Avenger movies are, are crazy long, right? You know? Yeah. I mean, the Lord of the Rings ones were the real like watermark for how much can you endure in a in a thing you enjoy right hey yeah, i really yeah. like this but man that fourth movie oof, that was long yeah, yeah that's true fourth movie uh, only third, three sorry, books. third movie the uh <laughs> yeah no well but then they turned one book into three movies uh well no, they, I mean, yeah uh, they did the same thing in harry Return potter the too they they did the same thing where they split the i mean I, I don't like that when they split the the story into two right you know well like dune <laughs> that was right? a tricky one because it made sense because there was so much stuff in that last book, but it also made for a bit of an unsatisfying. That first movie dragged. Well, I mean, dragged. yeah, if you if you've read the Lord of the Rings all the way through, you know that the 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 story ends, you know, and then there's like four chapters times. or something of everybody going home, which is true, I guess. You know, it's like it's like the my favorite line in in. Um, in hot fuzz is you know after the big battle in the middle of the movie they say what do we do now and he looks at them and goes paperwork you know <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's about actually i gotta put a link in the show notes here i don't know if you saw it or not but there's a uh, there's a uh, sort of a teaser trailer i guess whatever with james cameron thanking you for going to the theaters um and oh, and oh. doing it and doing a behind the scenes thing apparently um they're all in the water being filmed like they're actually swimming around with the motion capture on right mm. Including Kate Winslet and and uh, Sigourney Weaver and all those kind of guys are all like in, taking a dip. And in fact, uh, I think uh, Kate Winslet holds the record for free dive holding her breath for over seven minutes. You know, I saw that. Yeah, I yeah. saw that article the other day, and uh, I saw Lapita Nyong'o was was pe- uh, putting out on her um, social media for the training for the Wakanda movie, which we saw the the uh, Wakanda Forever movie. Yeah obviously large portions of that were underwater and she was doing the same thing she was doing like weight training underwater and stuff because they had to do so much underwater stuff for that one no oh, i don't um huh. yeah, yeah I guess there's I... the whole thing where they they go down into uh uh 
the underwater city where Namor is from, and she's trying to rescue Shuri. And so I guess to, to, in order to prepare for that, they they filmed all that in water tanks and and uh, well, that, that makes to... sense. I mean, you get the practical effects, right? They call it Aquaman. Was that was had a whole bunch of underwater scenes, but those were all CGI. It looked to me, right? Like, I mean, that's the other thing. You yeah. really can't fake being underwater, right? Like, I don't know how good an Although... artist you are. That's the part I think I'm most curious about. So I think you and I are probably going to go see Avatar sometime in the next week or two. Uh, I'm curious. I did see a few articles talking about the visual effects, the CGI on Avatar, saying that water has always been one of the hardest things to do really well in CG. And as you say, they it seems like they did a lot of like motion capture as well. And apparently that is done extremely well in this avatar movie the, the water effects yeah. the 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 reality of you know the the sort of the way that the viscosity of people move through it and things like that that seems much more real than anything that's previously been done so i'm i'm curious to see uh how they've managed to to sort of achieve that because it it can be a tricky thing to film in for sure well i mean it's like if you compare gravity and and apollo 13 and gravity you know sandra bullock is hanging from She's ha literally hanging, and as she moves through the space stations and stuff, it's, she doesn't move up and down. She just goes in a straight line, which Newtonian physics says you continue in a straight line. But but there's no wavering in her movement. Whereas, you know, the uh, Apollo 13, they actually were in the vomit comet shooting scenes. So when you see them, like like their whole body you know, rolling through space, they really are in an anti gravity kind of situation, right? So, yeah, yeah. relatively speaking, of course, but. Um, yep. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, I think it's kind of cool, but you know, um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I'm, 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 again, it's gotta be like, you know, we were talking about last week or a couple of weeks ago after you and I went back and saw it, you know, it was kind of like, I guess we've seen so many good 3d movies that avatar didn't really blow our socks off like it did the first time we saw it. Right. Yeah. Um, and I would think that, you know, it, it, especially if he wants to do, uh, Episode three and four, let's call it for our, for now. Um, he wants to do those. He's got it's got to be like top notch in terms of in terms yeah. of uh, its quality. I, I don't know if you've heard anything, any reviews or whatever. Or you've been avoiding them in terms of what like is it getting? Is it got like four stars or five stars or two thumbs up or? Uh, I've heard mixed things depending on who you ask. When I look at stuff that is sort of uh, nerds adjacent. People seem overall pretty satisfied. When I've looked at mainstream pieces, a lot of people have said too long, too slow, and too just uh, pew, pew, pew. Yeah. So yeah, I, well. I guess it depends on what you look for in these types of movies. I mean, let's face it. We talked about it even, you know, whatever it was, 10 years ago when the first Avatar movie came out. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we agreed it's an incredible achievement in filmmaking. It's not the best movie. It's just not. It 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 it's fine. It, it's you know it's Dances with Wolves and the Smurfs. Like I mean you know it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. And it's again it's done really well. And there's certainly some amazing performances and and there's lots to like about it. But it's not like it's not top tier. It's it's top tier filmmaking. It's not top tier storytelling. Yeah, I and mean, I think I mean, that's probably what I'm going into expect. This one is I'm sure it's going to be an absolute visual treat. James Cameron is a visionary filmmaker. He pushes pushes the envelope unlike most filmmakers ever do. But is it going to be a great story filled with you know incredibly emotional dialogue? Like 
see well see. yeah i mean that's it's the thing is like like there's very few movies that can actually you know have a have a beginning and a, and an end that satisfies like like i love to bring event horizon in as my an analogy because it was a great <laughs> first half of the movie right first mm -hmm. half of the movie is great and then all of a sudden it's like oh really this old trope again you know why don't you bring some zombies and vampires out while you're at it right <laughs> you know and um <laughs> and yeah, you're right. I mean, because because it's it's the typical, you know, the army has to come in and and use brute force to to take over, you know, the planet. This is the first movie I'm talking about. For spoilers, mm. for those of you who haven't seen that one yet, you know, it's been a while. It's been a minute, but the uh, you know, and and that that trope gets tiring. It's not it's not as pretty and and pleasant as as they make it seem to be, even in that movie, right? In real in real life, in real life, you know, like yeah. as we see with the Ukraine, they're blowing up schools and you know orphanages and stuff, right? You know, yeah, uh, just to be jerks, but you know, um, yeah, and, and you know, big business, you know, the whole idea of of the unobtainium and how they have to you know they have to force their way in and and you know, and you've got the 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 jerk. Uh, What's his Rabisi, Giovanni Rabisi? Yeah, Giovanni, the, Giovanni Rabisi, yeah. Yeah, playing the jerk uh, business guy who's going to do anything he can. They get get his hands on it kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it makes good fiction, but that's it's where it's nowhere near fact. It's nowhere near what real, what real life is like, right, as we can see on Twitter these days. But... <laughs> yeah. I saw... So I talked to my brother-in-law. He went and saw it last week, and he said that... Uh, yeah, he said again, great, great visual treat. But he's like, imagine in your mind what the second one should be about. And I said, well, the last one basically ended with them kicking all the humans off the planet uh, and humiliating them. So I'm going to guess this one's about the humans coming back with a vengeance. He's like, yep. I'm like, well, there you go. So. Oh, we've seen the movie now. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I mean, did you like, what else would it have been? Right. Like, yeah. I don't know. Hey. And he has to unite even more of them, and yeah. they're all going to fight back. Like, of course, they well, it's are. It's like, like you know, you got alien, then you got aliens, right? You know, like you have to then, you have to double down, right? You do, you do. I, I I can only hope that that is the that is the trajectory because Alien to Aliens, you know, Alien was great. Aliens, I think, is an even better movie. Uh, um, but then it kind of slows down after that. Uh, I, we won't get into the contentiousness of Alien three, four, five, six seven yeah, is seven. there that many uh, yeah i guess there are right yeah, yeah if you add in prometheus yeah yeah that's true and and prometheus 2 or whatever it was called um covenant yeah yeah, huh? yeah. covenant covenant yes alien alien government yeah i like the predator predator versus aliens ones those are those are those are fun with the humans yeah. as them innocent bystanders you know i was gonna say as humans get yeah caught in between them yeah yeah the, uh, the collateral damage right yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Next up, I've got the uh, more robust trailer for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So this dropped last week. It was a, a little bit more of an in-depth look. We'd gotten a teaser before, but this one's more of an actual trailer. And yeah, Spider-Man, spider, spider -Man, women, and other combined uh, in this one, lots and lots of different things. I've seen a whole bunch of breakdowns, people trying to figure out all the little cameos they've seen and everything else, which is just part of the fun. Uh, although I always find that tricky in trailers, right? You want to entice people to see it, but at the same time, like, I don't want it all given away. I want there to be spider surprises and for there to be lots of little twists and turns. And I'm sure there will be. I mean, uh, the, you know, the last movie was fantastic and had lots of little 
little sneaky bits in there that were great. But uh, what did you think of this? Did you, did you had a chance to watch this trailer? I'm kind of wondering if I saw if this is the one where she comes and says, "Come with me," and kind of thing. Is that the one? Because yes. okay. yeah, because I I, yeah. I think I saw the, this is the yeah I think this can't yeah I'm pretty sure I've seen this one. It's pretty, it's a bit longer. Um, as you yep. said, uh, it's very colorful. <laughs> Lots of color. There's a lot of spider characters. It seems like we sort of find a nexus of spider characters, right? Uh, maybe that's why I'm kind of wondering if I actually saw this because I didn't. I didn't get the sort of Harry Potter spiders coming into the forest kind of vibe. But maybe, maybe I don't know if I did. I watch this one or did I maybe skip it because I thought I'd already seen it. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, we 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 got a better look at some of the characters we saw in the teaser trailer. So we we had seen that Spider-Man 2099 was going to be in it. We'd seen that there was going to be a few other characters. Spider-Punk is in it. Uh, this one, you just see that in one scene, they sort of pan back and you could just see that there's spider characters all over the place. We saw yeah, yeah. Uh, what looked to be Spider-Woman, mm. which is um, in the comic books is Jessica Drew, who's a Caucasian character. And this one, it appears to be an African-American character, which is cool. It's nice to see an interesting twist on that, too. So it seems like they're just doubling down, going bigger, more adventures with Miles, more adventures with Gwen. And and yeah, I think it looks really cool. I mean, I love the first one. I thought it was just absolutely visionary. It was so different than anything else. It absolutely deserved the Oscar at one. And I think... Uh, I think I can't wait for this one. I, it was supposed yeah. to be out now. They've they've delayed it till June. So did it win the uh, did it win the animated Oscar or yes yeah oh, okay yeah 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 actually it's funny I only saw that one on the back of a back of a airplane seat. I should probably watch it on a big screen myself. But you know how much I mean you once you get the story you get the story right it's just the visuals right on a and the soundtrack yeah but the visuals right I mean, I'm. I made a point to see it in the theater. I was actually really lucky one night. My wife had sort of said, you know, what do you want to do tonight? I said, I really want to go see this Spider-Man movie. And I can't recall why you and I didn't see it. But uh, she and I went and saw it. And and it was a real treat to see on a big screen. It just wasn't, hadn't planned to see it. I thought, oh, it's just an animated picture. I'll just watch it when it comes out on on uh, Blu-ray or on, on streaming or whatever. But we made a point of seeing it. And I was like, wow, I'm glad we saw this on the screen. It's really neat to see because it's such a visually interesting movie. So, hmm. yeah, cool. got lucky on that end. Yeah. And so we have news. We had Westworld ending, but now what do we have? Westworld continues. Westworld bought by Amazon. What's going on? Yeah. So we we had known that Westworld had been canceled. They weren't going to do a, a fifth and final season, which is a bummer because I think we all kind of wanted that to happen. Now we get news that Westworld, along with a whole bunch of other HBO properties, are actually <laughs> leaving the HBO Max uh, streaming app as it transitions into becoming simply Max, which is what the Discovery slash HBO streaming service is going to be called going forward. And so as of now, we don't have a, well, we do have a home. We know that it's going to uh, Freevee, Freevee in the United States. Freevee is like a, as a an ad supported streaming channel where you can watch content, but it's basically like network television. They splice the commercials into it and you can watch it that way. It is free to watch, which is nice, but it's like commercial television. You have to watch the commercials. Wait, so it's free to watch? So like you don't have to pay a streaming fee for it? or That is my understanding. I have not looked too hmm. hard into Freebie. I'm sure once our uh, our beloved friend Jaime Lopez Jr. rejoins us, he can explain the, uh, the U.S. landscape a little bit more for us. The other part that I found confusing about this is it, it really was not clear what the changes to HBO Max or to Max mean for Canadian audiences who are getting that through 
Crave because Crave has its own sort of deals. I don't know if content is staying on there or if content is going to migrate away. I don't know what the Canadian rights are compared to the American rights. I'll be curious to know whether or not we will be losing Westworld off of our streaming services. And therefore, if we want to watch it, we need to find another source as well. All of this has just become a bit of a really frustrating exercise just because the rule had been for the past few years, if it was made by HBO, you found it on Crave here in Canada. And even a decent amount of archived stuff ended up there. So you can go back and watch all the Game of Thrones series. You can go back and watch the Westworlds. You can go back and watch his Dark Materials or anything else that sort of fits your fits your interest. You can go back as far as watching Sex in the City and Sopranos and everything else. Having that be spread out, to me, just defeats the whole purpose. Like the, the, the one of the reasons to have Crave and to have that sort of one source for that is that you get it all in one place. If I'm now going back to the same place that I was before, where I have to use a service like, uh, sorry, what's the one that you use for for looking up your shows? Uh, just Watch. Just Yeah, Just Watch. If I have to use a service like Just Watch, just to figure out where HBO shows are, when there's a service that's supposed to be HBO-centric, it just does not make a lot of sense to me. It's It's becoming a frustrating exercise. So I'm disappointed that this is the way that they're going with this. I understand, obviously, there's, you know, uh, fiduciary reasons for them doing this. My understanding is that uh, the, the since the Discovery-Warner uh, merger, that they're trying to find ways to cut certain costs. And there's, you know, one of the ways they can do that, if they take Westworld off HBO Max, they don't have to pay the residuals to the creators, to the artists, to whomever. And that's one of their ways of getting out of it. Okay, fine. But as a consumer, you're kind of getting yanked around all over the place. So uh, it's an unfortunate thing that seems to be happening. And I don't think it's ending yet. I think there's still more shoes to drop, which is unfortunate because, yeah, I mean, I don't think I was going to go back and watch all of Westworld anytime soon. But like so many things, it's nice to know it's there, right? And the truth is that we're getting back to that era that you and I have lived through before. You know, history repeats itself. If you love something, go and buy it. Yeah. You can buy the digital copy. You can buy a physical copy. But if you love something and you think, I'm going to watch this multiple times again in my life. Mm -hmm. You really are better off to just buy the darn thing because you, you're going to miss out. There's going to be stuff that's going to get yanked around or moved over to a service that you don't subscribe or to. Or disappear altogether. Yeah. Or disappear. Or, absolutely. Just get completely wiped off the map. You know, I, I went looking the other day because one of my favorite documentaries was available for a long time on Apple. And I went to look the other day and I noticed that it was gone. And I looked and it is gone, gone. Like they don't have the rights to it at all what's what's now that? i have a copy uh it's called king of kong and it's a documentary about a guy who's trying to break the world record in donkey kong oh okay yeah yeah it's it's a great documentary if anybody's ever seen it. it's really really entertaining and uh just talks about the uh the the era from the 80s through till now about competitive you know world record setting arcade game players and i have owned a copy on dvd for a long time but I don't own a digital copy. I don't own a high-res copy. I don't even know if there is a high-res copy. And I had thought, oh, maybe I'll buy a digital copy. That way I'll be able to watch it, you know, at my convenience. It's gone. And it's not streamed anywhere. It, nobody's ripped it to, to YouTube at all? Or I guess you just can't find it, right? 
I I did didn't go down that far as far as looking for it, but yeah, it's just it's so strange that these things just you know again rights change, rights lapse. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody else buys it and puts it on some obscure streaming channel. Now there's you know twenty five at least streaming channels that anything can be moved on to. You know, we talked about obviously the the massive cost involved in you know do I have this one but not this one? I have this one but not this one. You know, if Crave is losing its HBO content. How much longer is Crave going to be relevant? You know. Yeah. Hmm. Speaking of speaking so. of Donkey Kong, did you see the new um, '90s trailer? That '90s show. Oh yeah, yeah. With uh, you know uh, Topher Grace and and uh, Mila Kunitz and and uh, what's his name the uh, uh, Valmer the oh Wilmer Valderrama yeah Valderrama yeah and um, <laughs> yeah and uh, the, but the line in it is is uh, did you hear about Donkey Kong? It's a gorilla. As they're, you know, they're baked, right? <laughs> yeah. They're in a bake yeah. session. They're baking cakes. Yes, that's what they're doing, baking cakes. Um, yeah. All right. What's What else? What's going on in CW? Yeah, just a quick one. So we did finally find out when we're going to get the last few uh, episodes of uh, what seems to be a, a rapidly diminishing number of, uh, of CW DC shows. Uh, so basically all that's left, Stargirl ended two weeks ago. Uh, all that's left is Lois and Clark, or sorry, Lois and Clark, Superman and Lois, different show. And gotham knights is supposed to be coming so we knew that these were the last sort of two gotham knights hadn't even debuted yet but then there was this whole sort of house cleaning we know the flash is going to be ending all the other shows have either been canceled or wrapped so we now know season three premiere for superman and lois and the series premiere for gotham knights are both coming on tuesday march 14th on the cw uh where that where they're going to play here i'm not sure because um, CW does not have a Canadian direct equivalent. We were getting some of those through Netflix, some of those through streaming. Uh, so I'll take a look into it and see what I can find. I haven't seen anything so far as to where these are showing up. But okay. uh, yeah, if, if, you, if you're still in on the CW DC experiment, this is apparently where you can go. I, I really do wonder if these... This is long for it. It to me, it seems like these both seem doomed because it seems like they're consolidating all the DC content in the movie theaters through James Gunn stuff, and then they want to put the rest of it on HBO, so or HBO cool. Max or Max, depending on what day of the week it is. The last uh, last story here is mine, um, and it follows up on. I think we talked about AI. Did we talk about AI? The 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 people people making their own avatars and stuff like that. I've talked about yep. it in a few podcasts recently. But so this one is kind of kind of cool. Like you know the 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 issue is that all these AIs are being trained on your face or on. Yeah. Uh, I found a site actually where I'll put I'll put a link in the show notes where you can actually go and put your picture up and see if you've actually been trained. Like have I been you know have I been pwned is for having has my my email been compromised from a website but this have i been trained which is has your face been used in training which is interesting because i put my face up and all these guys that look like me show up thankfully not me <laughs> right and and yeah. you know sometimes if i'm wearing a hat they all have wearing hats and it's all people about my age with the same body face facial structure as i do and beards and all that kind of stuff like 
really weird, creepy looking stuff. Like I didn't realize I had that many brothers. Right. But, um, <laughs> uh, so, so the idea here is so the, the, the AIs that people are having these avatars made with all these like space suits and, you know, backgrounds and artists things, they're actually using, uh, legitimate artists sort as source material, but those artists didn't necessarily opt into letting their source material be the the stuff that's training them. So as an artist, as I mentioned before, I'm kind of opposed to that. I, I like the idea of it, but I'm kind of opposed to the to the fact that they're using their unrecognized, uncredited, not paid for artists or works in to to build these AI models, right? To train them. So what so what artists are doing is they're taking big name properties like Mickey Mouse, uh, Mario, Spider-Man, and they're making these these images um, as source material. To, so instead of the small artists fighting the big AI machine, they're getting the big copyright players to fight the big machine, like the Disney's and the and the Marvels and the you know the DCs and the Pokemon's and you know or who I don't know who owns Pokemon, but Bandai I don't know who who owns that one, but where's Jaime want to need him? But yeah, I just I just thought these are <laughs> hilarious. So it's like you know Mickey kills and is going to do it again kind of stuff, right? And just stuff mm. that will get um will get you know Disney uh, a little a little miffed, like you like so. But somebody pointed out, you know, if if I can get Mickey Mouse holding an M16 rifle, I totally would put that on a T-shirt, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's kind of a cool, uh, cool story. But anyway, we've arrived at the main part of the show where we talk about something related to Star Trek. Uh, this week, we're continuing on with uh, Prodigy, uh, Star Trek Prodigy, and we're going to do two episodes, Mind Walk, and the this is episode number 18, and 19 is called uh, Supernova Part 1, which, you know, kind of ended up on a cliffhanger, so I guess there's going to be a Supernova Part 2. Am I going out on limb saying that? That is the final episode of the season next week. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of thought this was the final episode, but I guess I got one more to go through. So right off the bat, I got to say, um, Mindwalk was actually a pretty decent episode compared to all the other episodes so far. This is this the trope from uh, the very last broadcast episode of uh, Star Trek, the original series. It was called Turnabout Intruder. This is the 24th episode of season three, where Kirk's ex-girlfriend who's mad at him gets this technology and manages to swap bodies with him. Right. So that she gets to be the captain of the Enterprise and he gets to be the petulant female who's, you know, running around saying, but nobody's listening to me kind of thing. <laughs> um, so th that's essentially what happens in this episode, where in order to to communicate with uh, Janeway, they decide to try and do a telegraph telegraphic uh, connection. And because they're surrounded by the the protostars chasing them in, I think they're in the warp warp bubble. Right. And uh not the protostar, but the protostar is being chased by Janeway's ship, and they're firing yeah. on them and that kind of stuff. And and so um, zero, they ask zero can't do it, but turns out because um, Dal is an augment, he can he can try and do a tap, like a telegraphic tap between him and Janeway, and they end up swapping bodies, so that Dal ends up being in the Janeway character on the other ship. I'm going to call it Enterprise from now. We'll, we'll correct that in a minute. The Dauntless. Dauntless, thank you. And Dauntless, uh, and of course, Janeway ends up in Doll's body. And that's when they kind of explain about the the, the 26 different species that makes him up. And she learns about uh, the um, 
the machine, the doomsday machine or device that's going to basically destroy the enterprise. Uh, construct, destroy, I think, is the, the, what they yeah, call it. Construct, construct is going to destroy the um, Federation by by uh, in basically creating a virus and infecting them all, kind of thing, right? And we do find out in the next episode what what that how that manifests. But you want to give us your your elevator pitch. The elevator pitch for this one is is Dal and Admiral Janeway go full Freaky Friday, right? Which is you know uh, pretty much. It's so funny because, you know, we talk about obviously this this being Starter Trek and Trek 101 and you start a flashback in your mind when you see an episode like this, you're like, yeah, you know, it's like Freaky Friday or 20 episodes of Star Trek over the years where people have swapped bodies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was basically, you know, it was exactly that. It was, you know, well, what if, how quirky would it be if, you know, Janeway ended up there, but then Dal has to pretend to be Janeway on the thing. And of course that goes catastrophe, uh, like a catastrophe. It's it's awful. He ends up, uh, you know, getting thrown in the brig and and making a fool of, of Admiral or Vice Admiral Janeway. Uh, the... Uh, the episode overall, I think, worked. You're right, because it was both funny and important. It wasn't yeah, just yeah. a throwaway episode. It was an episode with purpose. It was about getting the information to Janeway, trying to sort of, you know, build that connection, having Janeway see that the crew are actually, you know, working to try and help them and everything else. But then had the sort of the funny Dal moments and, you know, and her trying to sort of get to know the crew and everything. So it was, it was good. It was a good episode. Uh, the... Best pew 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 I have was them trying to reverse the swap where uh Dal and Dal I've started calling them Dalway and uh and uh was it Admir what do they call it? Admir Oh Admir Dal. Admir Dal and Dalway. But they uh yeah, they basically ended up pulling, you know, uh using Murph to stretch out to some incomprehensible length that we didn't know he could do in order for them to be able to touch so that they could then swap bodies. But then he can't go to, he can't go all the way. Like there, there was some bit where he had to, didn't they have to let go or something at one point? One of them did. Uh, yes. Uh, they couldn't quite make the connection. So that's when uh, sort of Janeway inside Dal's body uses the phaser to make the connection. Right, right. Oh. By, sh- by shooting it herself, which is actually Dal, and that's right. what ends up ends up transferring them back is the is the energy of the the phaser connecting. Yeah, um, cool. I found the scenes with Janeway on inside Dal inside the protostar to be kind of weird. There was two scenes in particular. The one where she mentions, and I have it down as my Easter egg, is the she mentions. Well, I you know at one point I was turned into a salamander, so therefore. This isn't the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. Um, that, of course, was from from an episode of, of Voyager. We saw her, you know, devolve. Uh, but the question was that I had coming out of this for my big question was, is, so Janeway is inside Dal's body and is trying to convince the holographic version of Janeway that she is who she says she is inside. And she says, well, tell me something only I would know. And then she's like, do you remember this time where, you know, your sister did this and blah, 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 blah. Who programs a computer with that kind of intimate Memory, knowledge? Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. What yeah. purpose would that ever serve to to have a command computer program who's like knows all of Janeway's intimate secrets? Like, well, you know, there, there's an edge case far-fetched. where there's an edge case where you could end up swapping bodies with another entity, and you have to prove that you're that person. That could be a, a case where you need to need that information. <laughs> Yes, I guess. So so my big uh, question, my big question for this whole episode, my big question for like the last three episodes, right? Two mm-hmm. words, Morse code. Yeah. 
Still haven't come up with anything better by the 24th century. Can't they? Can't they kind of like blink the lights to do the Morse code thing? And you know, you know, they got the brightest minds on on the the um, Dauntless. Is it Dauntless? The Dauntless. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. On the Dauntless, yeah. like can't can't you know? Couldn't Janeway or holographic Janeway kind of teach the the kids? You know, Morse code. <laughs> you know. Well, don't Can't you talk from right a few now. episodes back? They were trying to do that, but they were trying to use the phasers to send out the short signals. And they're no. like, yeah, maybe you maybe use the lights and yeah, not the yeah. phasers to be like dash dash dark dot dot dash dash dot. Yeah, yeah. And just so you don't accidentally get blown out of the sky by the dauntless i mean because like how uh, many how many yeah. movies have we ever seen where where you can't you know they, they can't communicate they're too far the radio's broken they got no batteries whatever the story is somebody invariably flink figures out you know i can i can tap on the wood or oh in fact there, yeah. i think even in in an episode of enterprise i think where hoshi is invisible and nobody can see she her. Uses that, yeah. yeah she uses yeah, yeah. Norse Morse code, to, and Archer's the only one who remembers it from you know Enter, Federation School 101, Communication yeah. 101, right? So, hey, it I, happened in uh, Space Camp. Do you remember Space Camp from 1986? No. The uh, accidentally launched the space shuttle with a bunch of kids on board. Oh and then right, they have to yeah, yeah. To get them home. Yeah. That's how they figure it out. At one point, is they're they're using like a telemetry switch to to use Morse code, and finally they spot it on Earth. Oh, okay. Although cool. it, I, I happened to be in the car this afternoon with my uh, younger son, and uh, he was saying something about Morse code. And I said, do you know any Morse code? And he's like, well, the, I think the only thing you really need to know is SOS, right? I said, yeah, but so few people know it. We got taught it as part of Boy Scouts. I don't know, you know, like, I don't know where you learn Morse code anymore. And I don't know how many people would continue to know it. Maybe they teach it to you at Starfleet Academy because they're like, someday an alien's going to do something to your ship and you're going to need to know Morse code. Well, I mean, yeah, I think I think in in uh, Star Trek lore, but also I know in astronaut training they do um, survival training, right? Where you you get mm. you get dumped in the middle of nowhere with nothing but a near shirt on your back, and you have to go from point A to point B. And part, but mm. part of that would be learning learning to do Morse code with a mirror or whatever as well, right? So as opposed to C3PO going over here, over here, <laughs> like doesn't C3PO know Morse code? He's a protocol <laughs> droid. He knows 900 languages he's, or something, right? Yeah, he speaks this many languages, but he doesn't know how to say SOS. SOS in Morse uh, code. <laughs> quickly, best quote uh, was all the stuff that Dal said when he was trying to pretend to be Janeway. Uh, I changed my mind in a completely normal way, not a weird way. Or my brains are fine. I'm just busy thinking is all. Right, right. Yeah, those were good. Yeah. yeah. Should we jump on to Supernova? Let's jump to Supernova part one. So this, we ended the previous episode with with Janeway back in her own body aboard the Dauntless, but stuck in the brig because they think that she has lost her marbles. And we end up with uh, the Vaunacot basically ready to, they had basically sent the Protostar with the construct inside it to the center of Federation space to try and drag in as many Starfleet ships as possible to try and stop it so that when they turn the thing on, it will go as badly as possible for Starfleet, as Starfleet as they can. So my elevator pitch was the Vaunacot make good on their long-awaited plan to turn Starfleet against itself. So this one was the setup piece. Hopefully it'll end a little nicer next week. But yeah, we basically saw what the Protostar had been trying to avoid all this time, which was, you know, 
once that connection's made, the construct will go off and the construct will start turning the Starfleet ships against itself. And that's what happens in this episode is yeah. in spite of their best intentions, uh, and even in spite of the best intentions of the diviner to try and stop it, he sort of has a bit of a change of heart, uh, not, you know, in this in this one. And it's actually uh, Asensia, or I can't recall what her other name was, uh, is the one who who basically kills him and, you know, activates the thing and off it goes. And next thing you know, Starfleet ships are shooting each other out of the sky. And although that was an awful lot of shooting for a very little amount of explosions, like shouldn't those ships have just been toasted right away? Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Like, why were they not, why were they surviving? I mean, you know, and they were almost like, they were almost like lightsaber lasering other halls and stuff like that. And there weren't people floating out into space. And yeah, I mean, if the goal is, is catastrophic destruction, it wouldn't be like disable, disable, disable. It would be like destroy, destroy, destroy. It felt like they were shooting each other a lot, but not really actually yeah. killing each other in yeah. quite as dramatic a way as as you have expected. Although, again, we talked about this as a kids-friendly show, so you mm-hmm. don't really need to see people being sucked out into the vacuum of space. Yeah, or, you know, or theoretically, are the next generation or... of astronauts we're trying to recruit here. So you know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, these are friendly lasers. Yeah, they weren't they weren't uh, the hurting kind. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're yeah. right. I, I, I totally didn't buy that whole, um, the whole, you know, destruct thing. But I guess with all their all their shields are down too, right? Like, yeah, like it should it should have just been like pew pew pew, and everybody's dead. Like basically yeah. simultaneously, everybody launches a, a a photon torpedo or a quantum torpedo at each other's bridge, and that's the end of the game, right? So I I was kind of thinking like you know it's, it's almost like was this the blip that you know, uh, discovery discovers and, you know, the, you know, the whole Federation is gone, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really? No, no, no. We, we discovered that one. That was because some kid had a temper, temper tantrum, right? Oh, was it? Yeah. Do you remember that the kid was tied into the planet that has all the, all the, uh, minerals on it and. No, don't remember. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'll take your word for it. All right. Yep. Um, Pew 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 is the Starfleet killing Starfleet. The the Easter egg. So at one point when Janeway's in, in jail and she's trying to talk her guard into letting her out, uh, the, the guard mentions, oh, actually, I was, you saved my life once. And she mentions being a member of the Bernari. Bernari, that's from an episode of, of uh, Voyager called Counterpoint, where that actually, that the whole sort of story plays out, how basically they they hid these 12 refugees inside the, the transport buffer to try and get them through this scary part of space because the the people who lived in that space wanted to kill them yeah and yeah turns out she's supposed to be the the now grown-up version of that who now works for starfleet and and so she sets janeway free but that leads to and i'm going to give credit where credit's due this is a big shout to our number one fan xavier who immediately at the end of the episode said so janeway is in jail because everyone thinks that she's not fit for command and she's you know acting crazy the guard lets her out she takes off she goes up to the bridge nobody stops her on the way she goes up to the bridge shows up on the bridge and then immediately starts like you know barking orders and everybody's just like cool let's get in there nobody questions that she was just like absolutely a nut like you know two hours ago yeah no yeah everyone's cool with it yeah i did i did have i did have a similar um question but you know yeah i'm you're right, because I mean, like they're like, shouldn't you be in bed resting? Kind of like you know, they they weren't you didn't you didn't you just come down with symptoms? Shouldn't you be not on the bridge now, right now? You know, especially since yeah. the yeah, the command crew would know the situation of their of their commander, right? So yeah, you know. yeah, and like, the whole fit for command thing, and 
Yeah, wouldn't security stop her at some point and be like, maybe you should go lie down? They were just like, oh, she's she's acting normally. She's probably fine now. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's a bit of a plot hole you could drive a bus through. So, well, and the, and the, also the I guess we'll have to go back and do some fact check on it. But the uh, the Star Trek reg- uh, Starfleet regulation that that uh, the guard quotes to her about mm-hmm. you know section whatever of the Starfleet reg- you know if you're if you're a captain and you're a nut bar we're going to put you in the brig. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, it seems like to be a really, really weird sliding scale because we've seen so many episodes of Star Trek over the years, too, where, like, clearly somebody, usually an admiral, is acting crazy and everyone's just giving them the longest leash possible. Janeway seems like she's just, like, absent-minded in the last episode because, of course, Dal's inside her body and they're like, put her in the brig. Like, it just seems like there's a bit of an uneven playing field there where, like, if you're an admiral, you get to, like openly declare war on things and try and destroy the federation and stuff and they're like yeah that's that's he's, he's just having a weird day it's it's fine it's fine he can, he can get his coffee he's fine and i think we talked about this before doesn't the protostar the protostar doesn't seem to have a brig because there's been a few episodes where we thought you should look that person in the brig you know like yeah we've talked about that but the um the easter egg in this one i think is is the ronnie cox coming back is the as jellico yeah yeah jellico yeah yeah so yeah because he gives the, yeah, he gives I mean, the of course, him. he gives the go ahead to to start blasting at the other yeah. ship, right? Yeah, that's uh, that, that was one of my notes. Was uh, Jellico still a jackass? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and isn't he, that he the, was twenty uh, years ago? Isn't that the, uh, the what's the name of the the runabout that um, they use in? Is it Voyager or Deep Space Nine? With that, you know, that ship that the one smaller Starfleet yeah, yeah, yeah. ship that comes in the middle of things. Isn't that isn't that the style that they had on? Deep Space Nine, or because did Voyager yeah, have the run Defiant? About? I can't remember. Defiant. Well, they had the, it... the Defiant. Yeah, it's it's like that sort of like heavy arms ship, right? Yeah, that's uh, they had that on Deep Deep Space Nine for a number of years, but we've seen that style of ship a few times. Yeah, yeah. Since yeah. then, cool. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's been some, you know, definitely an an eventful episode, as you'd expect. If this is sort of the first half of a two part finale for season one, and in theory, this is the end to actual season one, as opposed to half of season one which is what, what yeah had this and it, it up, is definitely but... cliffhangery i kind of i kind of i got my numbers mixed up i thought this was the last episode which is why i thought it ends on a really big cliffhanger like almost like mm. like they did with locutus you know like um, yeah like where you you end the season well, and you have to come back to see how it ends you know yeah and we'll see obviously where they leave us at the end of next episode you know this one you know, there was some momentous moments in here. We had, obviously, the construct finally being used, so Starfleet turning against itself. We had, uh, you know, Asensia basically revealing herself as as this other character. And um, we got the Diviner dying and apparently becoming one with the Force. Yeah. Like he, well, the Midichlorians again. Right? He then, broke up into Midichlorians. He, he goes off and, yeah, that was a weird... That was a weird the whole conservation of energy thing, I guess, right? Yeah. I I, I guess. Well, he kind of um, he kind of entered her forehead too, because she kind of lit up a bit when he when he when he did that too, right? Like his energy became hers or whatever. Yeah. So I wonder if that might be a big sort of key part of the next episode. The other thing that we finally got was uh, Dal makes a move on Gwyn. 
you know, obviously there'd been a little sort of chemistry brewing between those two characters for a while. And, mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't really clear how that was going to play out. But uh, mm -hmm. she goes to tell him that, you know, as an augment, he could never get into Starfleet. And he misreads it as, oh, I have something to tell you before we go risk our lives. And he makes his move and gives her a big smooch. Mm -hmm. And she looks horrified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, lots of good stuff. I mean, you know, it, it, that's always, of course, the sort of plus minus of these series is, you know, how much of it is just sort of flotsam and how much of it is going to matter. And this episode, lots of stuff mattered. So that, that always makes for a good episode and uh, obviously sets us up for a nice finale for next week. Hopefully we get, uh, yeah. get something good to sink our teeth into. Cool. All right. Well, let's move on to Willow. We got a couple episodes of Willow under our belt. Um, I, you know, I, I watched this one. It was kind of busy in late in the day when I watched it in, um, in Chicago. So I kind of, this, this episode I'm talking about was the episode four was Whispers of Nak Nakmar. Nakmar um, yeah. yeah. Okay. This is the one where, where um, the young man gets possessed, right? And Graydon. Yeah. Graydon. And he tries to take over a uh, um What's her name again? Yeah. Alora Dannon. Alora. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and everybody, they yeah, go into this I, castle and it's kind of like, don't go in there because it messes with your head and then they all get their heads messed with, right? Surprise. Yeah, again, this one, it's a well-worn trope. I mean, uh, I, I had my summary was basically, you know, the, the fellowship spends a night in a haunted castle complete with ghosts, monsters, and demonic possession. It, it really was, you know, you know, nothing that we haven't seen before as far as this kind of storytelling, you know, hey, we all have to return to this place, the place of evil, you know, what's going to happen. Everybody has their own little personal journey in there, obviously, for the different characters that has different meaning for, you know, Kit. Her, this is where her grand evil grandmother was for Alora. This is where she almost died, uh, you know, where she was born or something, has, right? I think. And where she was born, she was born in the jail, right? So for her, there's lots of connections there, uh, you know, so there's there's a lot of sort of stuff to sort of sink your teeth into. And they all have some pretty interesting sort of journeys in that because, you know, uh, Kit has to sort of reconcile this sort of family history of evil. Jade has a moment there where she basically has a vision of General Kale, who was, of course, the sort of Dark Vadery character from the original Willow movie. Um, it was funny because it was cool to see Kale back, such a badass costume with the, the Bone Reaver mask and the big sword and everything. But they were clearly using the dialogue from the original Willow movie. So it's just like a lot of, you know, because it was kind of funny because I'm like, oh, I remember the scene where he actually makes that expression. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was uh, it was just filled with with lots of Easter eggs. You know, Alora goes down into the the dungeons and has a vision of seeing her be born and her mom and her mom theoretically seeing her in the future. Uh, that was kind of neat. Like at one point she's like, she's talking to uh, the Queen Bev Morda in the flashback part. And then she's like, Oh, I can feel her. She's here. I can, I can hear her voice. She's, she's, she's stopped you. She's in the future. She's fine or whatever. So yeah, that's kind of nice closed circle where, you know, it was kind of always, always very, very tragic that her mom is like gives birth to her, convinces the nursemaid to to smuggle her out and then is immediately murdered, giving her that sort of closure of I know my daughter lives. I know my daughter's going to be OK is a little nicer way to sort of wrap that a uh, little retcon, but not a terrible one. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, cause In the original then, Willow you know, movie, she's she's uh, floating in the river like Moses, right in the basket. And that's exactly right. Yeah. 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 
Uh, and then Graydon, when he's possessed, is sort of, you know, speaking in all kinds of, you know, weird ways. He's starting to slowly turn, you know, dark. And he starts quoting Mad Mardigan from the Willow movie at one point. He's like, you know, get me some water, Peck. And he's in it's it's Val Kilmer's voice coming out of Graydon. Oh, really? Okay, Again, cool. Nice, nice little sort of way to work it in there too that you know uh it would just be that much more creepy to get inside willow's head by being mad martigan's voice coming up great and uh and you know of course it all it all works out in the end you know uh, they they have to spend the night in this haunted castle in the end they kind of all have their cathartic you know moments alora figures out that she's quite good at, at the magic and actually uses herself as basically a magic filter she sucks the evil out of Graydon through his mouth, interesting maneuver, and then sort of disperses it into the into the uh, atmosphere above her. Uh, and then, you know, we get a couple of interesting little sort of side stories, too, because we also get, you know, Borman going around. He's trying to, like, break into this locked room, you know, trying to figure out what's inside. He hears all these voices calling to him. And he loses his MacGuffin or he thinks he has, right? He, he thinks that they've stolen his MacGuffin and, you know, so again, it's, it's, it's a lot of well-worn tropes, but done well, I think, you know, like it's nothing in that episode was really anything that I wouldn't have expected to have seen, but it was all really satisfying and well done. It was one of the stronger episodes so far. And the quotes were great. I mean, gosh, the, the, they give Borman all the great quotes, but uh, Bab Morda knew how to romp legendary parties, three, four days in a row, all kinds of weird expletive. Uh, Willow, the vermiscus goo. Don't sniff it. Don't wipe it. Don't eat it. Why would we eat it? Says Alora. Worman, <laughs> um, are you plundering my dead grandma's castle? Says Kit. <laughs> and then yeah. my favorite was everybody deserves one good cry per quest from Borman. Uh, yeah, so many, so many good lines. The show is very smartly written, and I, I am starting to really like the characters. The more we sort of get in, invested in them, yeah, um, definitely, yeah. Which I think leads us into the latest. Episode. Well, did we talk about Graydon as a boy, like the whole him and his oh, brother? Oh no, that's deal? a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. So yes, at the end, when when Alora is removing the evil and making that connection with the evil inside him, she has a vision where she sees uh, Graydon pushing his brother out of a tree, it seems, and killing him. And so. We also get that vision at one point she's trying to heal him and she takes off his shirt and his, he's got these brutal scars all over him. And she's like, oh, my God, what's happening? And he's like, no, those those were already there. And so that sets us up for the the, the episode five where we find out sort of what happened with him. So episode five, which is Wildwood. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the basically the end of episode five, we see the gales reappear, these monstrous creatures, you know, the, the fellow with the cage on his head, the one who looks like an evil bird, they all show up. And uh, so the episode starts with them doing this sort of big chase through the ruins outside of Knockbar, and they decide to make a break for it into uh, Mirkwood. I mean, wait, uh, Wildwood. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I my my uh, elevator pitch was the the Fellowship hides from the gales in Mirkwood, <clears throat> Wildwood Forest, and discover Jade's true origins, and then they take some drugs. So they basically they go inside this this forest, which. I'm sorry, is just a dead ringer for Mirkwood. And they 
are in there, they end up encountering the Bone Reavers who we met in the first episode, and the Bone Reavers take them prisoner, and they separate them, so they put uh, uh, Alora and Kit together, they put Willow and Graydon together, and then they take Jade for some questioning. And through this process, we get some interesting dynamics because Kit and Alora have had a little tension between the two of them, and... You know, so they have a really sort of good talk about where they're at. And then in the the cage with uh, Willow and Graydon, Graydon's worried that now Alora hates him because he was evil and possessed and scared her. And we also but get... But he's definitely uh, got a thing for her, which I don't... I didn't... I missed yeah. when that developed, right? So... Yeah, it seemed like it was creeping up over the past couple of episodes. There was a few sort of little you know, long glances and him saying nice things. And it seemed like there was more growing there. Now we've known that there's a bit of a weird dynamic in there because she was in love with Eric, uh, the prince. But then, you know, she's obviously learned a lot about herself on this quest. And so that sort of changed some of the dynamics. We know that Graydon was supposed to marry Kit as part of the sort of merger of the two kingdoms. But we also know that Kit and Jade are in love with one another. And that comes to a head in this episode. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of um, complexities that there were not in the previous fellowship that we we make reference to. Uh, there was at no point, as far as I know it, that uh, the hobbits and the elves and the dwarves all paired off. But in this one, there's a lot more sort of uh, romantic dynamics and other things that come into play, which make it kind of fun and definitely feels younger. Uh, it definitely feels more sort of YA romance kind of vibe to it. Um, so you missed, you missed the Borman in the tent with the leader character oh that's true yeah so so we we encounter the leader uh which is uh venema scorpia which is a great name uh venema scorpia she has a history with borman who we learn his first name is thraxus thraxus borman and so she basically takes borman in there and is you know clearly the two of them are both into each other but then you're not really sure what the history is and then we start to learn a little bit more about that and then, then the truth starts to come out about, you know, exactly who and where Jade is from. And we find out that Jade is actually uh, Venema's sister and that they are both General Kale's children, which is kind of messed up because Kale in the movies is a uh, psychopathic killer who, you know, is merciless and, and cruel and everything else. We learn that in the era of the original Willow movie that they were basically conscripted and they were, you know, forced to to fight for Nakmar and that once the war was over that the other uh, forces of good basically blamed them. And so they basically were driven into this forest as their sort of hiding place. And they've continued to sort of be these, you know, bandits and, and you know. Robin Hood not... sort of merry men sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, because they really didn't have anywhere else to go. They kind of had only themselves to rely on. And so they just sort of evolved this sort of gypsy wear... too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they wear, yeah, they wear the skull face masks and stuff to scare people. They they're they really don't seem that bad, but they really are sort of focused on, you know, like keeping everyone away from their little little corner of the universe. Um so inside the jail cells, Willow and Graydon happened to notice these little houses on the side wall and uh, brownies. 
So we knew at some point we were going to get yeah. something from the world of the brownies. And so, of course, we get Rule, who is, uh, is Kevin Pollack, played in the original movie. And here we get to beat him again. And uh, his daughter, which is kind of neat, uh, Ganoush. And we learned that Frangine, the other uh, character from Willow, has long since gone missing because Rule stole his wife and, uh, and married her. And so, uh, you know, they they basically, you know, have a little interaction, a nice little little sort of you know back and forth, and then uh, we also learn on the in the girls' cage that Alora has taken the wand of Shalindria, and she's like, I think I know a spell that can get us out of here, and she ends up using basically like a very powerful spell to blow the doors off the cage, and they all all end up escaping simultaneously, but they realize basically at the same time that. Escaping doesn't necessarily mean anything because now that Jade is part of the tribe, they are all guests and they decide to have this big welcoming party where they welcome right. Jane, uh, Jade back and uh, and have a good time. And they're basically doing shots. And so everybody's like, shots, 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 shots. And so they take these shots of whatever they are and it turns out that they are truth plums so yeah. that they all can't lie. And so... Everybody has a confession about, you know, what's up. And so Alora confesses to Graydon that she saw the vision of him pushing his brother out of the tree. And he has to explain that that was the first time he was possessed as opposed to the second time he was most recently possessed and that he would never have hurt his brother, but he was possessed at the time. That's a good, good, I don't remember that if I ever get, you know, put on trial for murder, you know. I was possessed? That's yeah. a good one, yeah. Uh, we get... Uh, obviously Kit and Jade, who have been sort of, will they, won't they, will they, won't they, finally they both confess their love for one another, and so they finally uh, share a passionate kiss and, and declare their love for one another, which is very sweet. Uh, Borman, who of course has been very sort of, uh, you know, uh, hard to read, confesses that he actually was ashamed to come back and see Scorpia after her, after he failed on his previous mission. And that, you know, the reason he didn't come back was because he was afraid that, you know, she would reject him. And, and so again, we get a little bit more honesty from him than we're used to. So that was kind of fun. And um, yeah. And then Willow confesses that he's not a great wizard, which Alora overhears. Right. So that's yeah. potentially a little, little impactful. Oops. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and then just when things are starting to get kind of interesting with all these confessions, we get uh, trolls. And we had previously seen trolls in, in the Willow movie. Um, but here we get what seems to be a large contingent of trolls. And uh, yeah, and they start picking people off. So the episode basically ends with, you know, invasion of the trolls. And uh, yeah. and we cut to cut to extremely modern music once again yeah which is kind of weird you know like but yeah i was thinking about yeah, that there's uh, a couple of songs in this in this episode which were like they're new i mean they're, yeah. they're newer you know oh crimson and clover plays during the romantic scenes in the in the bone reaver village and stuff and yeah it's i was trying to figure out because i i sat, sat down and started watching this one yesterday and my wife said oh what are you watching i said i'm watching willow and she said oh i'll watch with you for a little bit and she sat down and she watched the first 20 25 minutes of it and she said it's very strange how they've got this contemporary music in this show and i said the only reason that i can figure that they try to do that is well there's two good reasons one 
they know they're coming out right on the heels of House of the Dragon and the Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power series. So they kind of need something to differentiate it. And part of that is contemporary speech. They speak in a much more contemporary way than those other two shows. Uh, their references, vulgarity, they swear. And um, the other is the application of that modern music. I think the idea is it's, it feels a little bit like, do you remember the, the movie A Knight's Tale mm-hmm. with uh, Heath, Heath Ledger? Ledger? Yeah. It and feels Tudyk, a little yeah. bit like that. Where the, yeah, where they're trying to sort of mix those up a little bit just so that it feels a little fresh for maybe a younger audience. And I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I know I've seen some some. I didn't like it in online. The Knight's Tale. I found it kind of. I kind of. I didn't like that in The Knight's Tale. And and I. But I, it's funny that I because if you remember I, about three four episodes of of Willow, I mentioned that the the music wasn't it wasn't contemporary, but it was kind of like Princess Bride ish. You know, that's a kind of you know, yeah, not quite John Although, Williams, but sort of like fitting with the time, but more cartoonish than than you know epic. Yeah. But since then, they've also they've done like Black Hole Sun, a cover of Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden. They've done like some, you know, they did a Metallica cover. It's definitely even more so, I would say, than 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 what we saw with Princess Bride. It's definitely meant to evoke a certain memory using those songs. Is it meant to hook people from the 90s and 2000s, do you think? I'm curious. You know, it's a strange show because I think... I would have said, oh, they're going to target it at people who are nostalgic for this original project. But I don't think that's true anymore. I think they're kind of treating as it treating it as its own thing. And there seems to me very much more catered to a, a millennial or Gen Alpha kind of audience. You know, the 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 queer couple, the 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 love triangle between the the three, you know, between Graydon and and uh Alora and Eric, the language, the music, I, I, to me, it just, it seems like it's a little bit of a different type of feel than I think I was expecting. Willow doesn't take itself nearly as serious as something like Fellowship of the Ring or Lord of the Rings, but it was always a little bit more earnest. This feels a little more casual, flippant, uh, playful. And again, not in a completely negative way. It's not like I, I don't like it. It just it's definitely a different vibe than I was expecting, but not one that I'm turned off by. I, I have seen some conversations online with people who are turned off by it. They're like, "Well, this is not my willow." I'm like, "Stop watching!" Like I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of curious though. So we're five episodes in. We've got three to go. I'll be curious to see as we as we start climbing through these last three episodes whether we're going to see it try and wrap itself up in a bow or whether this is clearly catered towards having a a second or second and third or fourth or fifth or whatever season of this. It felt like they were moving at a pretty brisk pace for the first three episodes. And then these last two episodes were really kind of contained, right? It was like, we're moving here. We're going there. We're traveling here. We're picking up this person. Oh, that person died. We're kind of doing stuff. And then Nakmar was sort of self-contained. This was all self-contained inside this village. It seems like the pace is really slowed down. And I think, okay, so are we ramping back up for three episodes? Like, are we supposed to get all the way across the sea to the to the city, get Eric, rescue him, stop the crone, and do all this stuff in three episodes? Like, are we getting into classic Disney Plus hold my beer territory? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. It's always a question, right? Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. I, I 
Or are they going to resolve, are they meant to resolve this in the first season? Or are we looking at season two and season three? What's what's the story here? Well, I mean, we talked about it on, I think, either the last episode or the episode before that, that there's a possibility that Val Kilmer might be able to come back if they do a second season. I don't know. I don't know if it's something where season two is always sort of a hope or a whim or a, or in the cards or if they've scripted it that way. I'm, I'll be really curious to see if this comes to a satisfying one season conclusion or if they're going to set it up for season two, the quest to find Mad Mardigan or, or whoever they want to play it. But you know, I would watch more of this. I, I'm enjoying it so far. It's again, it's not everything I was necessarily hoping for, but I like the new characters. I like some of the the adventures. I like that it's a very diverse show. There's lots of different faces and colors of people, and you know, I, I like that there's a queer storyline at the center of it. I think that those are all welcome additions, especially on Disney Plus, which tends to be a little vanilla. Uh, I, I think these are all good things. So you know, I'll take more. So. You know the the character with the cage on his head is the yeah. scourge. The scourge, yeah. The yeah. scourge. He's played by Junus Suotamo, the the new Chewbacca. Chewbacca, yeah, 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 yeah. There's no pictures of him as that character, but he's listed here in the credits. So, yeah, I assume he's the big yeah. guy, with the the cage oh, yeah. on his head, because he's the tallest person in the show, right? Yeah. Yeah, he does a pretty good job. They, they've done a good job of um, using good camera angles and stuff with him too, just to make him look even more gigantic and yeah, menacing. the yeah. part where he he's standing on the fence and he's looking down at them and yeah there's, there's some good stuff in there but cool. yeah it's it's good i'm enjoying it i i still um i'll be curious to see how they wrap it i think this is the bottom line i'll be curious cool. to see how they finish this up all right well let's move on to the watch list but i'm gonna let you go first because i got a couple of things here and you've got two so all righty so yeah i'm i basically just listed off a couple of things that i'm you know I'm, I'm headed into the christmas break like so many other people or the holiday break i should say and you know i noticed a couple of things that are sort of showing up on my streaming services over the next week uh i'm in interested in seeing glass onion i know you had a chance to see that during the toronto international film festival but uh uh, I wasn't so lucky, so it's that's in the theaters. The like I think it was in the theater. You're not going to go see it in the theater with your wife, Sherry? I don't think so. I think we'd be just as fine. I, I watched the first one on Netflix when it first came out. And oh, I, I thought you. I thought there. you saw it in the theater, though. She did. She oh, she did. It, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think it's fine. I mean, I'm sure it's probably cool on a big screen, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, so that one's on my to watch list that comes out on Netflix this week. And then, uh, black Adam showed up on the crave, uh, streaming platform here in Canada. I imagine it's probably on HBO max in the States. So that one, uh, again, it's kind of a strange one where I know in the end it essentially is going to mean nothing. It sounds like we're not getting any more black Adam movies. It sounds like the teaser at the end with Superman is going to amount to nothing, but, um, I like some of the other characters in it. I like, you know, I like Hawkman and Dr. Fate and uh, Adam Smasher and some of the other stuff they're doing. So I, I will definitely try and make some time to watch that uh, sometime over the holidays as well and see if I can get into that. I did want to mention, I did finish a series that I had started a number of years ago. I had started this series that was on FXX called Man Seeking Woman. It stars Jay Baruchel as this, uh, it's, it's based on a book about, you know, this guy who's basically he's dumped by his girlfriend and then he has this sort of series of tragic misadventures as he's trying to re-enter the world of dating and trying to find the right girl and everything like that, which at its root sounds really simple. But it's essentially a sci-fi show because what happens in each episode is 
it becomes a hyper version of whatever's happening. So at one point, he gets set up on a blind date and he shows up and the, the date is a literal troll sitting at the table. And it's like in full prosthetic makeup, the whole bit, a troll. And it's like, you know, throwing food around and everything else. And it's supposed to be, of course, a symbol of how bad a first blind date can oh, go. Oh, I get blah, it. Oh, blah. I get you. Right, right. So all the episodes are like that. So at one point he goes to a destination wedding and the destination is hell. And they literally have to go like down to the fires of hell for this destination wedding. Um, you know, there's there's so many funny metaphors, uh, you know, just brought to these like extreme levels throughout the show where this guy, Josh, played by Jay Baruchel and his best friend um, are, are going through this sort of experience of dating. And they flip it a couple of times. His sister is one of the main characters on the show. And so they do Woman Seeking Man. They do episodes focused on her and her relationships. Mm -hmm. It was Obviously, Jay's Canadians from Montreal, and uh, it was made here. The show was shot in Toronto. You can see Toronto was all over this thing. It's not meant to be Toronto. It's supposed to be some generic American city. But um, it's a highly Canadian show. So many guest stars over the course of its three-season uh, three, uh, three run. And... It is an absolute ride. Highly, highly recommend it. It's funny. I was laughing. Like, I was laughing so loud the other night. I was afraid I was going to wake people up. I was laughing so hard at some of the stuff going on. I had watched the first season before, but I'd never gone back and watched season two and three. It's on Disney Plus here in Canada because, of course, FX content ends up there. I don't know where it's airing in the States, uh, so you might have to go digging for it. But it's a great blend of humor and sci-fi. It's got so many great uh, cameos and guest stars. At one point, I think almost all the kids in the hall are in it at, at one point or another as guest stars. One of them's a regular. Uh, super, super, super funny show. Highly recommend. If you get a chance, it's three seasons. They're half-hour episodes. You can get through it pretty quick, but you will laugh a lot. So recommend that one. So is it like it's older or it's like it's already run and... It's it's finished its run. I think it ran from like 2016 to 2019 or 20. Oh, it's a few. There's 20. a few seasons of it, right? There's three seasons. Three seasons, oh, okay. ten up, ten episodes a piece, thirty minutes a piece. So and that's on the Netflix or no, 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 Disney Plus here in Canada. Oh, okay. I'll check that one out. Cool. Sounds interesting. It's it it's really easy to get sucked into it. It's just so it's again it's it's genuinely absurdist, but in the best way. Mm, okay. Cool. All right. Well, my watch list thing. So, so this new actor's come out. Like he's he's pretty good. He's a lot of people seem to like him. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's called. I, like, I want to make sure I get the name, pronounce the name correctly. I think it's Tom Cruise. <laughs> Never heard of him. Well, anyway. Jackass. <laughs> so this uh, um, this is a teaser for the new MI7, which I didn't know was coming out. What I mean, but. Who didn't know MI7 was wasn't coming out, and of course he, he you know typical Tom Cruise he goes over the top again. Uh, I, I swear you know one of our headlines is going to be Tom Cruise tragic accident you know making a movie right because he's just he's insane first of all right. Um, it, it depends which one of us is writing that story headline. Well, it's true, but the uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but this is, it's interesting because, because there's a scene in this movie where he's driving 
uh, motorcycle. I mean, I'm, I haven't seen the scene because because he, he's setting up the stunt, right? And it, and it's got to be like a ten minute long uh, sort of making of kind of movie where he's he's got to learn how to drive a, mo- a moped. So they set up a course for him to learn how to do jumps and stuff like that, and you know all these kind of like specialized motocross jumps. And uh, he's also learning. I mean, he does a lot of skydiving and stuff like that, as as we know from other movies he's done. And um, you know, hanging on the sides of planes. I know you haven't seen that one, but um he uh in this one he he has to learn how to how to uh base jump right where you you jump off a cliff into a bowl and then you pull your chute and at least he's not doing the flying suit thing which is i'm sure that's coming in the next movie for sure i guarantee it right i mean if if sean connery can fake you know skiing down a hill with machine guns i'm sure tom cruise has got that planned for his his future movies anyway so the the scene that they're setting up is he's driving this motorcycle and it's kind of like you know the beginning of uh, uh the star trek movie where the kid steals the, his dad's corvette you know um yeah yeah, John yeah Favreau's corvette, Abrams. and he gets to the yeah, end yeah. and he kind of just goes over the cliff so you see as a scene they show him where uh, kind of like a spoiler scene i guess they see the, him pulling the bike mic up and kind of like stopping at this cliff and kind of looking over so clearly Clearly, the the setup is he goes back, he takes a run at it, and so and of course, conveniently, I I, I whenever I ride a motorcycle, I always have a, a packed parachute on my back, right? Sure, um, yeah, as you do, as you do, right? So and so he, you know, so the stunt is he has to learn how to um, he has to learn how to to, and they do it in several steps. Like he learns how to. Uh, go off a ramp and let go of the of the bike and he's got a harness on so he's he's being held up and he's you know just learning perfecting that move like they do it must do it like a hundred times and then he's also doing the base jumping stuff with the parachutes and so they combine the two things where uh he you know he drives his bike down this ramp hits it at the right speed goes off the center lets go of the bike you know falls a little bit and then pulls the chute and flies away and then they're like let's do that again like who does that Oh wait, Tom Cruise does, but you know, crazy people, Tim. Yeah, crazy, crazy people, people. Yeah, crazy people with more money than brains do this. So apparently, yeah. he goes back and does it a few times to 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 get it right, or get the shot, or get the light, or whatever it is they need to do. But yeah, I mean, like he's like he's. It's kind of like you know, uh, you know, whenever I watch old Star Trek and I see William Shatner or or. or um, I was watching one one episode a couple of weeks ago, and I got to go back and find it. But you know how whenever they had a fight, like even in Batman, you know, the Batman TV show, when they had a fight, it was clearly a different actor. Like they didn't oh, yeah, even bother, yeah. bother about the body shape, right? I was watching, so there's a, there's a stuntman who used to be Kirk's double when he was fighting, right? And I was watching another episode <laughs> yes. where a completely different person was in a fight. And they they flash over to the scene where the guy's throwing the guy up against the wall. And it's Kirk's double, or William Shatner's double, is throwing, but he's like dressed as McCoy or something. It was like, like, you know, I could buy the, (laughs) I could buy the same guy being Kirk all the time and the same guy being Spock all the time. But like, this was like so wrong, you know? Yeah. So you take the complete opposite. So, So Tom Cruise is doing the complete opposite of this. Like, you know, well, you know, Linda Hamilton, I think it's Terminator 2 where she's on fire. Yeah. Well, I know that I know in a lot of cases Linda Hamilton has a twin sister, and they used her as a, as a body double. But there's yeah. a scene where she's on fire, and they CG'd her face onto the character being burned, rather than putting fire on Linda Hamilton. Yeah, you know, I'm sure if Tom Cruise had to film that scene, that would be Tom Cruise in that scene. If <laughs> and he the needs somebody be, with a Tom book of Cruise. matches. I'm available. I'm just saying, <laughs> if he needs somebody with some kerosene and a box of matches, 
I'll volunteer. Yeah. Anyway, so it, it's fascinating. If you're if you're a fan, of course, you've, they've got the Mission Impossible music playing in the middle of the in the middle of this thing, right? So yeah, it's a good. Mm. If you got ten minutes mm. to waste, um, I mean, he does nothing but make these really amazing trailers. You know, even if you never go see the movie, but or ever will see the movies anyway. But it's and <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you're missing out on something or not. You know. <laughs> I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say I'm missing it so much. Yeah. Well, you, I, I can tell you because it's written all over your face that you're not missing this at all, right? So I, I gotta say, uh, just just for uh, for clarity's sake and and for the uh, in the in the um, spirit of of uh, the holidays, my son for Christmas has asked for a bunch of 4K movies. Has he asked for any Mission Impossible stuff. movies? Or he has not. However. Uh, he he asked for a bunch of 4K movies, movies that he has not necessarily seen, but he's heard of that are yeah. really good in 4K. Maybe on a podcast, good music, yeah. though, yeah. yeah, possibly those. So uh, on the list are several Tom Cruise movies, uh, in defiance of uh, both his father and the will of nature. Hmm. Uh, he's asked for several of these Tom Cruise movies, uh, and I keep thinking is just it's like a virus he's unavoidable like he's just he's weaseling his way into my house i just yeah. uh, he's unavoidable which, which movie, can i ask which movies he's i know i know he's asked for yeah i can't mention one that i know of but what 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 other yeah, ones has he asked for he asked for uh edge of tomorrow yeah that's a good edge movie of, edge of tomorrow and yeah. he asked for I, i've, I've watched that Dunn. you know believe it or not i i've edge of tomorrow when that one's on i watched every single time it is so well written and so well done I'm, I'm, that's one of the, like, to be fair, again, I don't enjoy Tom Cruise because I think he's a terrible, and I mean this genuinely, a yeah. terrible actor. Yeah. A movie yeah. star he is for sure. Yeah. He's a terrible actor. I never well, believe that he is who he says he is. Yeah. Because um, he's a terrible actor. He's just a movie star. Yeah. What's, what's John Krasinski's but wife is, now? Emily, Emily, Blunt? Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt is amazing in that movie. That's, that's the reason to watch that movie. And that's the only like. There's been a few movies over the years that I've really wanted to see in spite of him because mm-hmm. I love Emily Blood. I think she's super talented, and and I have enjoyed her work a lot. And so that one's been on my list. There's been a few on my list. War of the Worlds is a good movie too. Is that, is that on his list? It is not. Um, I'm just gonna look it up. I have the list right here. So yeah, it was. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Live Die Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. Top Top Gun, both movies. Top Gun. Okay. Okay. Uh, the first one's not then, worth the first one's not worth owning, but yeah. And then yeah, lots of other sort of war movies in here. No other Tom Cruise movies, thank goodness. Yeah. But um some Marky Mark movies in here and a few other things too. So yeah. I like I like uh, Vanilla Sky. I have that one on I have that one on Blu-ray. I can lend him that one. That's a really good movie. But that's yeah, I mean, and but yeah, you don't even know some... it's Tom Cruise for the half. Well, I mean, look, think about it this way, right? For most of the movie, he's wearing a mask. Yeah. Which I mean, did Tom uh, Cruise really even need to wear a mask, right? Yeah. I mean, and again, I think the last, I'm trying to remember the last Tom Cruise movie I saw. It was probably, oof, Magnolia. Well, that was or, a horrible movie, though. But I, you know, he, it's a better movie than it gets credit for. I like Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, yeah, it's it's been a good 20 years since I've seen a Tom Cruise movie. I liked um, Jerry Maguire. I did see that. And I, I actually thought that was one of the times I found him the least off-putting. But the movie is better than he is. It's a better script than he 
brings it to life, frankly. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a long time since I've seen a Tom Cruise movie. And, you know, I know he's made movies that I'm sure are great. You know, I'm, yeah. I like a lot of the people he works with. I like a lot of the filmmakers he works with. Yeah. I'm sure they're good movies. I just, I find him very off-putting. I know. Well, so I, I, find, I'm, I think I'm the same else. way with Nicolas Cage, too. I, li- I like the movies that he's in, but I don't like him as an actor. Like, yeah, I mean, and, and I, you know... Um, I like you know like moon moon was it moon moonlight moonlighting moon, moonlight was moonstruck yeah I, I watched moonstruck. that one because Cher Cher is amazing in that one and and all the yeah. the, the it's her parents as well but um but it, it depends on the movie again like I hate Fa- Face Off is probably the one movie I hate the most it's, it's got oh, John Travolta so and bonkers it, yeah. it's so bonkers but it's an Ang Lee movie which is like supposed to be good like you know. I've yeah, I've seen it before. Uh yeah, and then Con Air is again like oh, Con just Air, an all-timer. Yeah. It's an all-timer just cringy, awful, but like way over the top movie. I um but then Leaving Las Vegas for which he won his Oscar. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. But she was really good he's in that in, though. He's incredible in that movie i mean she's better than he is but he's incredible in that movie it's just you know somewhere along the lines he just sort of went very very far off the rails and sorry so is tom cruise like he's a very off balance person you know tom cruise is is 60 he's 60 years old six zero yeah yeah that's that's what i'm saying he's insane like i wouldn't do what he does like even i wouldn't do what he says i'm in my 40s yeah 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 but yeah. Anyways, yeah. But, no, but he's still, uh, but he's still he's still playing the kid that never cartoon. grew up. He's still playing Peter Pan. You know that's the thing, right? So that's because he's five foot four. That true. Yeah, he is Peter Pan. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> he's little. He's a little guy. Yeah, it's watching uh i have i again i haven't seen every episode of, of friends but every now and then when it's on and, and i saw one the other day where joey and and uh, chandler are walking and uh mm. it's like they're going to a premiere or something like that and, and he says to chandler can you bend down you're too tall you're taller than i am <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know yeah. when you when you have to put you know uh tom when you have to put tom on a soapbox so he can you know stand next to a woman and be at the same height as her like that's okay that's enough enough practical yeah, practical it's, effects it's... for me it's when they're yeah when they're casting actresses who are under five feet so that they look proportionally appropriate with him. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's crossing some lines. So okay, I, I got a couple of things I'm going to go through real quick. So uh, speaking of the same actress in in these two movies, um, Chloe, what's her name? Chloe Close Grace Moretz is that her name? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Chloe, so Chloe Grace Moretz. Yep. Yeah, the peripheral finale. Um, I just finished watching it. If you haven't seen it yet, it's so you can sit down and binge it. Uh, really interesting concept. Um, I don't know if I was really satisfied with the ending. It, it kind of gets sort of matrixy revolutions in in near the end of it, mm. sort of thing. You know, um, it's coming back for another season. There's sort of a bit of a cliffhanger at the end of that that episode. So it's it's an interesting idea. That's the one where she puts on a, a game headset and and ends up not yeah. so much in a VR, but she's actually in the future in a, in a robot body kind of thing. Somehow they time travel through the future or whatever. I don't know, special, special networking cable of these or whatever. Um, and, but uh, I also saw at the same time, uh, just came out, it, I watched this yesterday, uh, was a movie called Mother Android, um, which starts out pretty interesting, pretty interesting concept. It's basically the, the, the whole society has these uh, androids that help them in their houses. And all of a sudden there's a, a glitch, something happens, a power failure or whatever. Uh, they all turn evil. They all turn into zombie robots because that's, you know, what androids do. And um, 
it kind of gets it gets a little unbelievable but uh so i mean i can't I, that, I very rarely give a movie a three star and i was struggling to give it a three star rating out of five mm. <laughs> you know so i i you know it's an interesting movie but yeah if you if you if, if if there are other things you want to watch other than that i would highly recommend you watch those other things what what uh, <laughs> platform is that on uh it is on i believe it's on the netflix well actually Netflix or Prime? No, I uh, Netflix. I think the other the uh, peripherals on Prime, right? Right. Um, yeah. So that's cool. And and I'm I'm almost finished watching The Expanse. Um, again, I'm I'm not 100 sold on. It's nice. It's pretty. Whatever. I think the first couple of episodes were were the ones when it was on regular TV were good. Uh, this one is kind of this one's kind of getting a little long in the tooth, tooth right? So. Um, but before we go, I want to ask you something. So on the other show, on on More Than Just Code, I've started I started doing while well, you were on Roundabout with me and Tammy, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So we started we used to have these questions we did at the end of the show, right? Oh, I and remember so, the questions. Yeah. So I've got I've got I've st- I've gone back to the like those questions were written by um by uh Tammy, right? And they were based they were sort of loosely based on the most Marcel Proust questionnaire which she'd never heard of she, i don't know how she came mm. up with these questions but so um but i've mixed this in with the stephen colbert questions that he's doing i don't know if you've seen those on on his show where yeah. he takes it and, and it's all about you know becoming known so i want to i want to take an opportunity here to ask you some of these questions and apologies to those of you who've listened to roundabout if i happen to hit across the same question again so it's a bit of marcel proust mixed in with stephen colbert okay all right shoot all right, so um, let's go with who are your favorite writers? Who are my favorite writers? Alan Moore, Garth Ennis, Grant Morrison, John Wyndham, Gregory MacDonald. How many am I supposed to list? Doesn't matter. Uh, do, do they have? Is there connecting? Are they all graphic novel writers, perchance? No, no. I mean, some of them are, but some of them also write prose, and then some of them are just completely prose writers. Okay, all right. What is the best sandwich? Ooh, what is the best sandwich? Uh, my personal favorite sandwich, which may not be the exact same question, but, uh, I like, uh, if I, if I could pick any sandwich out for, uh, for my favorite, if it's done right is a Reuben. I love a Reuben. Okay. Is that with the, with the cold, the, the, the corned beef and, and the sauerkraut and corned beef, sauerkraut, dressing, rye bread, light or dark. I'm easy. Uh, nice, nice pickle, nice sour pickle with it. Cool. Yeah. That, that's, right. that's my jam. All right. Where would you most like to live? Where would I most like to live? Um, is this like a philosophical question or is this a, a physicality question or is that the whole Proust of it all? Well, that's... In yeah. a state of bliss, Tim, in a state of bliss. Uh, no, I, I, you know, if I have my brother, I don't know. I've I've traveled the world. I've seen lots of things. I like it here. Uh, I could do without the minus 40. I could do without the plus 40, but the part in between is really nice. Okay, cool. Window or aisle? I'm going to say window. And I say that as somebody who is quite tall and uh, has more than once been hit in the elbow and or knee and or foot with a trolley cart. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm probably probably the same way with that. Uh, apples or oranges? Apples. Apples, okay. Because you can put yeah. peanut butter on an apple or? Uh, no, I just, I, I find uh, oranges is an unpredictable, uh, this I'm sure is a great psychological question for me. I find apples easier to eat because they stay intact. I find oranges to be unpredictably messy. I actually had an orange last night and it was, you know, my first, uh, you know, Mandarin or Satsuma Christmas, of the year. Christmas orange, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, and it was delicious, but 
oh, what a mess it made. It was so, so hard to remove from its skin and made a huge, disgusting mess. And in spite of the fact that it was probably tastier than the average apple, it was not worth the effort. So I'm going to okay. say apples. Okay. So what's your favorite word? Ooh, favorite word. Ooh, that's a good one. That's like asking me what my favorite color is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ask an artist what their favorite color is. Ask a wordsmith what his favorite word is. Um, hmm, boy. This is anti-disestablishmentarianism? I don't know. Um, <laughs> that used to be the longest yeah. word in the English language, yeah. It used to be. It's not anymore. Um, I'm going to say free. Free is a good word. Free has a lot of positive connotations to it. I like free. Free. Okay, cool. What words or phrases do you overuse the most? Ooh, I overuse the most? Well, uh, some of them I can't list on this podcast or we'll get an M rating. Uh I have been known as a longtime uh, former journalist to use some colorful expletives in my vocation. Um, yeah, I would I would say it would start with an F would probably be the one that I use the most that I need to not use the most. That would, that would probably be very high on the list. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this is a question that's kind of, kind of uh, well, I'll ask it anyway. Have you ever asked anyone for their autograph? Have I ever asked? Well, yeah, sure. Sure, I did. But you've had, you know, I know you've had sketches and stuff done in, in books and things. So it's kind of an odd question for you because not everybody does yeah. that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I've certainly, I I have never run into a celebrity on the street. I've never run into an athlete or a celebrity during my work and, and asked them for an autograph. Not, not ever. Um, but I have gone to like events where they are being paid to do so, where I have gotten their autographs as a as a paying customer uh, so what would be your favorite one or your most cherished one um i have a book on my shelf oh, let's see it's that book right there is uh, a book of um will eisner art and will eisner signed it to me and i did have a chance to have a bit of a conversation with him when I when I met him. Will Eisner, for, for those who don't know, is sort of the godfather of of comic storytelling. He was one of the first people to really kind of take it seriously and not just pulp about pulp for kids. He was kind of trying to do something bigger and trying to sort of do graphic storytelling that was kind of bigger than that. And so uh yeah, Will Eisner was kind of an icon and a legend and, and somebody who it was a real, yeah, I don't get starstruck very often, but standing across from somebody like Will Eisner was a real, like, oh my God moment for me. Um, I've had a chance to meet and speak with lots and lots of people over the years. Some I've met in person, some I met, you know, just obviously these kind of conversations or on a phone or whatever. Um, so maybe it was just because we were in the same space, but that one really kind of left an impression on me. I, I, I've definitely... Um, I have a lot of reverence for the people who sort of, you know, laid the path to where we are now with, you know, nerds ruling the box offices and the televisions and everything else. And, and people like Will Eisner don't necessarily get enough credit for the trails that they blazed, especially for sort of non-comic um, non nerdy types like me. Okay, cool. What's the one thing you own that you really should throw out? <laughs> one, one Only thing. one, John. One thing, uh, I'm not allowed to say my eldest son, who, who's old enough to live on his own, right? Um, one thing that I own that I really ought to throw out, I have a propensity for keeping, uh, because I was a 
and always have been a toy collector, comic collector, stuff like that. I tend to connect, collect the bric-a-brac of that too. So things like boxes for Lego sets and stuff like that. I just flatten them out and keep them. I don't necessarily just throw them into the recycle because I have seen how this thing goes that, you know, somewhere down the road, someone will be like, oh, I'll pay you X dollars just for yeah, the Yeah, King's Ransom, exactly, yeah. I just bought a box behind me. You can see a box, an iPhone box back there, original mm -hmm. iPhone between behind Gumby there. Yeah. I paid uh, close to 250 bucks for that box. Yeah, so that's... and. And I've seen that happen numerous times and it kind of got stuck in my head. So I have a ridiculous, and my wife would definitely call it ridiculous, amount of boxes for things. Uh, I have boxes for all my video game systems, tra tracing back, you know, 30 years. I have all the boxes for those. I have all the You're boxes saying you should throw these out or videos. one in particular? I'm saying, yeah, there probably is a line somewhere where I've crossed the line and I'm keeping boxes that are completely unnecessary or unneeded or whatever, but I just can't bring myself to toss them because I'm sure at some point I'll be like, oh, I used to have the box for that and now it's selling for X dollars and I'll regret it, but I probably should stop. No, definitely the Lego uh, boxes you should keep for sure. That's for sure. Um, yeah, so. Got a couple more. Let's see. Um, actually, I want to know, I want to know what, 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 um, well, a couple, but yeah. What do you think happens to us when we die? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, well, so I am uh, at best agnostic, but probably uh, I'm not an atheist. I don't actively practice anti-religion or anything like that. Uh, and I, I, you know, it's such a trope to say I'm a spiritual person. I'm not. I'm not a spiritual person. Um, I think I'm too much of a pragmatist to think anything other than we die and disappear, and that's the end of us. But then I also understand enough about science to understand that energy can't be destroyed and we are creatures of energy. So to me, it seems completely unlikely that all that we are simply just extinguishes. That doesn't make scientific sense to me either. If I had to guess, I would say our corporeal bodies do in fact die and do in fact rot and whatever. But I think it's safe to say that whatever the energy inside us could just go off into the universe and, you know, I don't think we're conscious. I don't think we're anything, but I do think that there's a possibility that that which is us, uh, you know, goes off and rejoins the universe from whence we came. Okay, cool. Um, I'd like your answer to that one down the road too. You can you can save that one up for the holidays. <laughs> um, I can give you my answer right now, but um, you only get listened to listen to one song for the rest of your life. What is it? Oh, oy, oy, oy. So it's essentially what's your favorite song, right? No, no. I mean, this is you. You're going to go to like a desert island with one song in your MP3 player, and it, you have to listen to that for the rest of your life. No internet, no downloading, no Amazon. Yeah. It's a completely realistic question. Sure, sure. This happens because you know there's probably a charger on the island somewhere. Uh, I think you have to make a coconut generator to make the uh, power for the battery. <laughs> right? Well, luckily, after watching all those Gilligan's Island reruns when I was a kid, I should be able to figure that out. The professor taught me well. My Probably one of my all-time favorite songs is an instrumental version of the Jimi Hendrix um, song Little Wing by Stevie Ray Vaughan. I play that one constantly, both on my you know headphones and in my stereo. It's a longer song. It's got a lot of different sort of uh tempos and a lot to it and it's just a beautiful artistic achievement in that this this exquisite person playing an exquisite song by another exquisite guitar player probably even better 
to me, that is sort of the high watermark of his work. And I don't know if I could ever get bored of that because it's just so stirring to me. Right. Cool. What number am I thinking of? Seven. You know, you're, you're pretty close. I was actually thinking about seven about three minutes ago, but I figured you, you might have figured out what number <laughs> I am thinking. It is related to seven, though. Seven's in it. Is it I'll, give, I'll give you that much. Huh? Is it 42? No. 37? Uh, 37? In a row? In a row, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I said it was, oh, what's the most used app on your phone? I mean, there's an app uh, you can now use to figure that out, but, you know, I just without without looking. <laughs> Uh, what's the most used app on my phone? It would be somewhere between music, podcasts, and um, Google. <laughs> Those would be my my guesses. Like, well, I had... Google Chrome or Safari, you mean? Let's, let's not give credit where it's not due. Uh, well, the Google app, whatever that is. And there's a Google app. I have the Google app. Yeah, there's a Google app. Yeah, I, I would say it's it's somewhere between music and podcasts in google if i had to probably boil it down i would say it's probably podcasts uh, as we talked about in a previous episode i devour a large amount of news and information podcasts each week so it's probably the thing that is on the most okay yeah describe the rest of your life in five words hopefully very peaceful thank you thanks for coming out all right <laughs> cool so do you want to hear my um my thoughts oh, yeah. on death. Okay, so yeah. I, I have a yeah. couple actually, um, but this is this is a long one. This is one I got from from Dr. Brian Cox. Right, hmm. he says you want to you want a physicist to speak at your funeral. You want the physicist to talk to your grieving family about the conservation of energy, which you mentioned, so they will understand that energy has not died. You want the physicist to remind your sobbing mother about the first law of thermodynamics that. No energy ever gets created in the universe and none is ever destroyed. You want your mother to know that your energy, every vibration, every BTU of heat, every wave of energy, every particle that her beloved child remains in, in with her in this world. You want the physicist to tell your weeping father that amid the energies of the cosmos, you gave as good as you got. And at one point, you'd hope that the physicist would step down from the pulpit, walk over to your broken-hearted spouse there in the pew, and tell him or her that all the photons that ever bounced off your face, all the particles whose paths were interrupted by your smile, by the touch of your hair, the hundreds of trillions of particles have raced off like children, their ways forever changed by you. And as your widow rocks in the arms of your loving family, may the physicist let her know that all the photons that bounced from you were gathered in a particle in particle detectors that are her, that are her eyes, and that those photons created within her constellations of electromagnetic magnetically charged neurons whose energy will go on forever. Uh, you can hope your family will examine this evidence and satisfy themselves that, that the science is sound and that they will be comfortable, comforted by knowing that energy is still around, your energy is still around. And according to the law of conservation of energy, not a bit of you is gone. You're just less orderly. Yeah. And the, there's yeah. a Buddhist, Buddhist one. Hang on. Um, this is one concept of death for a Buddhist. Picture a wave in the ocean, right? You can see it. You can measure its height, the way the sunlight reflects off of it. It's there. It's a wave. Then it crashes into the shore and it's gone. But the water is still there. The wave is just in a different way for, for water to be for a while. That's one concept conception of death for a Buddhist. The wave returns to the ocean where it came from and where it's supposed to be. 
Yep. No, we're just waves, man. Go with the flow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I say, I, I think I'm too much of a, uh, I'm too much of a pragmatist to believe in the concept of higher power or divine order or any of that kind of stuff. To me, it just does not compute. But yeah. I feel like I've learned enough about science in my life to accept that while there is an absolute definitive end for a corporeal form mm -hmm. that it's naive to under to think we understand beyond what we do what happens to the energies that make us so that line we're all made of stardust you know like, we are stardust we are golden yeah yeah so i don't know again i think it's it's either ignorance or hubris to think you know the answer to these things and if you're telling people what's going to happen then you're a genuine ass so <laughs> all right yeah. well i guess that's it for another episode so jonathan if people can get in touch with you where will they find you uh you can find me on twitter for now and instagram as at jpk news or you can find me on youtube at youtube.com slash jpk or hashtag jpk my name is timetra t-i-m-m-i-t-r-a on the twitter machine also on mastodon also on youtube uh and if you're watching on youtube this the button over there please match that button subscribe like and subscribe um yeah and then you know i gotta get i gotta get more as many people listening to this show or on youtube anyway so that i can put t-shirts on because jonathan won't put t-shirts on or doesn't know how to put t-shirts on his site <laughs> that's, that's it it's not that i'm reticent it's not that i'm not willing it's that i completely lack the knowledge yeah yeah all right so take it away mike you've been listening to the spotcast podcast if you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the SpotCast website at SpotCast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at SpotCast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at Patreon.com slash SpotCast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. content if we wanted those to be our sponsors but well i know a couple of science fiction authors who don't listen to the show because they don't like discovery but you know if they did john you know john wilker <laughs> you know <laughs> we could show your books yes um, yeah so i don't know I have books or movies or whatever you know yeah. yeah some paid product we could we could talk about this paid product announcement here right you know but this brought to you by books this <laughs> this episode brought to you by this nice water that I've been drinking all the show during the show, right? <laughs> yeah. And my new Apple Watch. Yes, Apple sponsors, you know, they don't sponsor us. But that would be nice. And and and, you know, if you join us on Patreon, you know, you might get these fine stickers that we have. Oh wait, these are not podcasts. No, those are MTJC ones. I, oh, wait, where am I? Do I, I don't need, I don't do you have oh, some podcasts downstairs? Ones?
My, I have to get some more printed because I gave all my spot. I see. I gave my spotcast ones away. So I, I still have some downstairs. All right. Well, I have one on my computer. Where's my computer? I haven't finished doing all my uh, graffiti tagging around the neighborhood with those. Yeah. Here's uh here's here's my work computer. This is not a product placement. They're not sponsoring this show, but you can see <laughs> you can see right over here. There it is. That's fine. Spotcast with the mirror. Ooh, mirror. You know, you can spot hero. Get your parking at spot hero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what we need to do for our patreon we need to like start like you know tier one get some stickers tier two we'll work up towards the sh the shirts you know yeah. we'll just we'll just start layering in the merch yeah yeah definitely do you see my space shuttle that i finally got yeah it's very cool yeah did you get the uh, did i see the sonic set back there did you get the sonic set yeah it's uh yeah there uh, yeah i also I, have I the just... big big bird sesame street one i saw that one it's very cool did you see there's a winnie the pooh one that's pretty cool too that's out now um yeah, I completely spaced on it. I meant to ask for that uh, Sonic one for Christmas, and I completely spaced on remembering it. And I went to go do some shopping for our, my niece at the, at the toy store. I was like, Argh. how much is you it know. here? Because it's like 99 bucks in the US. I think it's about the same. Yeah, I, I bought it when it first came out, but I thought maybe it would be, become unobtainium. But apparently it's quite popular, so it's still being, still being made. So Yeah, I mean, I saw it at Toys R Us. Well, I have the Statue of Liberty. You can't see it there, but I I bought it on eBay, and then I found that it's everywhere now. <laughs> oh yeah, it was all everywhere we went in Ireland. They had it, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Well, if you want, if you want to throw down on the Lego front, I can do the. Oh yeah, you're doing that. You're doing that, are you? Yeah. I've got. Jacobo. This is this is Java's castle, the Java's yeah. Java's palace with the Java, yeah. and then yeah, yeah. So is that the expensive um, Death Star? Uh, so the there's nine thousand pieces one or whatever it was. No, there's there's well, this one is I think it's forty five hundred or something like that. It it was like five hundred bucks. It's not nothing. Yeah, yeah. But there's one that is like a techniques kind of set one where that's it's the the Return of the Jedi one with all the like half built parts, and that one's some crazy number of pieces. But even when that one was new, it was like. $700 or some fool number. Now it's ridiculously overpriced, but that one was very cool as far as like, it looked like a, you know, a model. Very, very neat. Mm, yeah. But this one comes with minifigures and sort of dioramas and stuff like that. It's, it comes with like 24 minifigures and stuff. So it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. I have uh, over, you can't see it over here, but I have um, Saturn five. Oh yeah. I, have, I, saw that. I have all the architecture really ones. Set. I have like the falling water. I have the Corbusier one. I have the Guggenheim. Mm -hmm. I have the yellow submarine. That one I put together, the yellow submarine. Um, I think I know where you got the yellow submarine. Yes. I think, I think I know. I think I, I think I also know <laughs> where I got it. I also have a bunch of um, uh, cool cars you can't see over here. Like I have a, a Hot Wheel um, Back to the Future time machine, nice. DeLorean yeah, and, and a bunch of the Batmobile ones. So yeah. That one here too. That's the Lego one. The Lego, Lego. Is that the latest one, or that's not the because there's now is Back to Future. No, there's a deluxe well. one now. This this is the small one. There's a deluxe one now that's even bigger. Yeah, which is really cool, but it's it's huge and expensive. Does it have going doors? That one. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Does it have this a little tiny smaller. flux capacitor in it, or it does have a little tiny flux capacitor in it? Actually, it's like it's behind Marty. There you go. You can really see it. Yeah, yeah you can't really see it. No, maybe it's, it's that thing. That's there. cool. Yeah. yeah. It's got the out of time license plate on and everything. Yeah. That one's kind of nice. I like the fact that, I mean, it's, it's small enough that it's not, it's not, I mean, uh, when they see some of the, the Lego sets that they put together and the, they want to try to do curved fenders, but they're not quite, they just look wrong, you know? So, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of doing, uh, I had a bit going for a while where I was getting sort of the cars. I have uh, mm-hmm. Ecto-1 from Ghostbusters. I've got that one. I've got a few others that are sort of cool cars from different things. I meant to get the, um, they did a 1966 Batmobile uh, a little while ago. I yeah, that that's, that's still around. You can still get that one because it comes with a Joker yeah. and Batman. Yeah, yeah. And with an Adam West looking, you know, gray yeah. Batman. Yeah, that, I, I wanted to get myself one of those at some point. Yeah. Hmm. So much time, too much time, not enough, a lot, too many things, not enough time. Well, honestly, at this point, it's shelf space. Where the heck do you put everything? Oh, in? I got this. Uh, I don't know. If, I, I never, I never bought the the Rush albums. Mm. So I got this one. I, I can lend you if you wanted to make a backup copy of them. <laughs> yes, a backup copy would be a good idea. Yeah, I, I think I only have maybe two or three. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously the <sighs> early, early Rush fan. So, yep. but apparently, this one, one of the albums on here is all covers, like weird. It's weird, yeah. I mean, like, I, and summertime blues, heartful of soul, for what it's worth, the seeker, Mister Soul, shapes of things, and crosswords, which were all like classic, you know, guitar songs, right? Yep. I guess they. I guess at the end of it, they wanted to be a cover band. <laughs> Did they play covers when you saw them in? Uh, no, they school? played Farewell to Kings and uh, Twenty One Twelve and stuff. I only ever saw them once. Oh, I thought you saw them. It's uh, no, you see, you saw Max Webster when you were in school, right? Yeah, I saw Max Webster. So I'm Max Webster open for Rush the time that I saw them. But yeah, I've only mm-hmm. I only managed to ever get to see Rush play once, which is a shame because you know I didn't know that they were like well they ended what 2015 I think was their last show right so yeah last mm-hmm. tour I guess yeah yep. now I just have to settle for the Foo Fighters all oh, good things <laughs> well not really the Foo Fighters they lost their drummer too anyway yeah, if, only, if only they could find a good backup drummer yeah. Well, he's been, it's funny, Dave's been showing up on a few things. He showed up at Billy Eilish's concert the other day. and I saw that, yeah. He's been playing drums on a few few places around. And I think the, well, they did, they did the uh, the them Cricket Vultures at the Taylor Hawkins shows, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, anyway. You see your books? It's funny, your books. Oh, no, I guess you are kind of in focus. If you hold yeah, still. Yeah, I mean, I see it on my screen. It's a. It's a... <laughs> No, I mean you're pretty sure. I maybe it could it could be the resolution of your monitor. Like I've got a, I'm using my iPhone 10 as my camera on on this one. That's why it says detail in the corner. Is it there or there? Mm. Which side is which? I don't know. This is my left hand. No, it's my right hand. <laughs> okay, my my video is reversed. Normal. Let me say the way around. I can um, tell mine's reversed too because I can see the books in behind me are reversed. I can see the the names are flipped on on my screen from what I'm seeing. I can't read any of the titles, so I can't really help you. Oh well. Over here, it should say Batman, Batman, Batman. That's Doom Patrol. That's Flash. That's Green uh, Green Lantern. That's Flash. That's Fourth World. That's Saga. That's Invincible. That's I'm doing these backwards and flipped. Oh, you mean your video's backwards? Yeah, my video backwards. Okay, so this is my yeah. No, it's my video's backwards. Like norm, normally, when you're on a Zoom call, your your video's the right way around. But yeah, I don't know. Or maybe. Yeah, All I don't right. know. Uh, anyway, on that note, we should probably sign off. Goodbye. Probably. Okay, talk to you later. All I'll right. see you in a couple see of days, it. I guess, right? So. Uh, yes, Sunday, I guess. Sunday, yeah. Or, yeah. you know, yeah, unless we figure out the time to go see The Way of the Water. Yeah, I mean, if it, uh, tomorrow's my last day. Anything after that, I'm good. Uh, doesn't really matter. We can go see a matinee or go see a late show or whatever. I don't really care, but. Uh, cool. Uh, All right. Julia's gone, Julia's gone home and uh, Xavier's not interested, so. Oh. I can go whenever. All right. It's just you and me. Less less to worry about. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. All right. Bye. See ya.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.